little excitement? A little pre-episode 190 excitement you had when you pulled in? It's like a, a wildlife what, what the, refuge around here. Holy Lord. What the hell happened? You come up, you're looking at me like, did you see what just happened? I'm like, no, I don't know what happened. What, what happened? I was just glad that your wife saw it because I no one would have believed me. I mean, it was the craziest story. I've, I mean... What happened? I'm standing on your porch. I just knocked because somebody forgets to unlock the door from time to time. So now I have to badger your wife to get up and come let me in. And okay. I have to affect All her right. life now. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Well, apologize to her, not okay. me. Yeah. Okay. On Mother's Day, she likes to get okay. up off the couch and let yeah. a stranger in the home. That's okay. always fun. Okay. Yeah. So I'm knocking on the door. <laughs> and of course, Missy, Are you a stranger? Still a stranger? I don't know. I don't live here. I'm, you you know, kind of do, though, don't you? In a way. In Are a way, you yeah. my third child? Yeah. My third son? Pretty much. Okay, go ahead. So you get here, you're about to walk in the side door, and, and all hell breaks loose. Well, yeah, so Misty, who loves me more than anyone's ever loved me, including my parents. Um, <laughs> she does go crazy when you get here. Going nuts, like yeah. like usual. Yeah. So your wife's holding Misty back, and the door's cracked so I could come in, but I'm distracted because I heard all this fluttering of birds. Like, But it was like bassy, woo, woo, fluttering, like oh. something you don't hear very often. I happen to look over. I hear a thud on the concrete you know, on your driveway. There's a dead fish now laying on your driveway where I just walked two seconds earlier. Right next to your car. Yeah, right next to my car. And there's an enormous eagle with the wingspan of, I don't know, like eight feet. Uh, like Sam Perkins? Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> and this George eagle, Murison. The eagle shot a three on the way out, too, and, could, and made it easily. Um, but yeah, it was just, this eagle drops the fish, and there must be 10 to 12 crows and other black birds around him surrounding this eagle which is probably why he dropped it because he's just getting badgered for the food and then he whoop, whoop, takes off again he makes another appearance he goes in for us he comes back i forgot about this part. comes back to try to get it and he just said forget it because the rest of the birds are badgering him and then he's just gone and now there's just a dead fish laying in your driveway with a bunch of crows circling like a freaking hitchcock movie it was crazy i had never seen an eagle that up cl that close they're enormous I mean, you see them in trees yeah, or yeah, you yeah. see them flying yeah. up hot. Yeah. Gosh, they're enormous. So cool to see it. But this one was kind of a wimp. But you didn't, see, out. you didn't see the eagle drop the fish. I heard it. I, I heard the thud. I heard the, like, on the concrete. So why after the eagle dropped the fish? Yeah. Didn't the crows, who you and I just had a conversation about crows. You, yeah. you apparently know more about crows than most wildlife experts. That's right. That they're very smart. They got a high IQ. Yeah, I just I pulled up an article actually about they a guy. They do well on SATs. A guy, yes, they do. A guy in a, at UW in 2008 was studying them out in the wild. Yeah. And for whatever reason, they didn't like him. And so he had to, he, him and his colleagues had to put on masks to get to their car safely because they could recognize the faces of the people they this didn't care for. This is how smart crows are. That's what I'm reading, that they're very smart. Okay. Yes. So why, if they're so smart? Yeah. Was the fish just sitting there? You pointed out, I came to the window, I saw the dead fish. Yeah. Hell of a dead fish, by the yeah, way. Not, not a bad catch for that eagle, yeah. huh? Yeah, pretty yeah. good. Why is the dead fish just sitting in the driveway and nobody's paying any attention to it? There were no, I mean, there were th th there were crows around, Yeah, but nobody down with the fish. The eagle wasn't down with the fish. The fish, yeah. the, what did the fish do? I mean, what, was the fish not a... <laughs> was it not a fresh piece of sushi? Or yeah, what, all, those crows the, are vegetarian. What was, the, what, what, yeah, what was the problem? No squirrels, just a fish. I mean, it was there for five minutes, though. I mean, maybe I think they were making sure it's safe so the eagle doesn't come back and kill them or something. I don't know. Maybe oh. they were kind of waiting it out a waiting bit. Out. And you know what happened? They waited too long. Mm -hmm. Why did they wait too long? Because Somebody disposed Mitchie of the it. Kid, yeah. Mitchie the kid went down there, and I was shocked when I inspected the fish. Yeah, why? Well, I had to get the fish off. I, 
I didn't want while we're doing the thing. I didn't want everybody down there. <laughs> it's a freaking party of birds and fish. Oh, and squirrels Who and guts it? and all that. I didn't want that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, of course, I went down. I said, Sharon, what? bring a bag. I'll get the fish. No. Uh, she put the bag. She brought a bag. <laughs> she put the bag in the garage. She opened the bag yeah. like 50 feet from the fish. She said, this is as close as I'm getting. <laughs> I said, okay. So I brought, the fi- I brought the bag over and I got the fish. Yeah. The fish was clearly dead. Yeah. But the fish wasn't like mangled dead. Oh, yeah. It was very pres- whatever the whatever the eagle did to kill the fish. Yeah. It was like a like arthroscopic surgery. There was only a little tiny piercing oh, in the fish. One talon, that's all. It, it wasn't took? like the head was knocked off or Right. Yeah, no, it wasn't gruesome. Up. Yeah. No, no, the, the, in fact, I, it's almost surprising the fish was dead. There was like no signs of of peril. Well, or turns stress. out, turns out fish, there wasn't even a fight. It doesn't look like. <laughs> well, that's no match for. But turns out fish um, can't survive out of water. So I suppose there's a chance it no, maybe just suffocated. No, I don't think so. Okay, you saw one hole at least. Well, I got Quincy in on the deal. <laughs> yeah, timely. Yes, <laughs> timely reference. Quincy. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I, I. Introduce you to the world. What was it? World of forensic medicine. And yeah, uncovers the sheet and yeah, everybody yeah. starts to drop. Yeah, yep, yep. it just was. Maybe you're right. Maybe the the fish died because it was out of water. Yeah, I don't know. But, but you're it right. Was it like, wasn't... It was a little piercing right there, huh. and that's it. Crazy. I felt bad. I wanted the eagle to have its Mother's Day dinner. Like the eagle worked for it. It had it in its talons. How much work did the eagle do for it? Are you kidding me? Up, way up high, they got to see that thing swimming. You got to swoop down and be quick and get it. And then you get badgered by all these crows. <laughs> I wanna, who needs it? Well, welcome to episode 190, where uh, the eagle has landed. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and the fish is out of water. Oh, that was crazy. Oh. Mitch Unfiltered is available on all major podcast platforms. That's the voice of Hotshot Scott. Please, please, please rate and review us on Apple. Become a, a patron, a Mitch Unfiltered patron. Five bucks a month. Have access to all the bonus shows. Danny O'Neill, Slickhawk, music entries. If you'd like to be a patron and can't really hang with the $5 a month because it's an issue for you, just let me know at Mitch at MitchUnfiltered.com, and I'll set you up. Uh, Stump the Band. Yes, sir. I've been starting these last few episodes with Stump the Band, kind of a becoming a like a non-traditional, traditional open, like a non-official, traditional start to the show. Okay. A little Stump the Band. Sure. Mitch is an idiot trivia. Oh, boy. What two topics on episode 189P with Mitch and Danny O'Neill did Mitch completely butcher and demonstrate a severe lack of sports knowledge? Oh, see, I I had one that wasn't sports that somebody hit me about, so I don't know. You want to go there first? Before I tell you (laughs) that that I'm done making fun of your sports knowledge? (laughs) Because in two instances on 189P that was, was, I guess it was unveiled on Thursday with Danny, I just totally spaced, completely spaced with Danny O'Neill. See, it's cute that you still care. Of what I people think about your sports. No, knowledge. I don't care what I don't care what they think. Oh, okay. I just care that I I totally froze up and didn't have the information straight. The what thing, did you What did you make a mistake? You about? and Danny were talking about what a stan is to be a stan. You remember that? Yeah. And you weren't sure what a stan is. Stadium or... fan or something? Yeah. A fan. No. There's no. a song by Eminem called Stan. Yeah, I don't know Eminem. No. Yeah. Okay. Mathers, Jerry Mathers. That's right, Jerry Mathers, who's. Uh, on-screen brother, by the way. Sick, yeah, 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 I yeah, saw that yeah, today. Yeah. Um, yeah, so being a stan is like being a, a fanatic, like an obsessed... That's what I thought. Phonetic fan. Yeah, I could figure that one out. You could, okay. 
Pretty much. All I right. don't remember the content. All right. Was well, that 189 P2? Did I no, mess that I up? No, I think too? that was the one before. Right. So you like to spread out your errors. You like the Mariners. You spread it out a little bit. I joked for about three minutes with Danny O'Neill on episode one. I guess I'm not doing a very good promo for 189P right now, telling <laughs> you that I, I made all these mistakes. I joked with a, for a few minutes with Danny about Ethan Posick remaining the center of the Seattle Seahawks and how many lives does this guy have and why won't they draft a center or bring in a center to replace him? Yeah. He's with the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> okay, there you go. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. I forgot he left during free agency. He went yeah. to the Cleveland Browns. And they have a new center by the name of Austin Blythe, who they got from, like, the Rams or was once on the Rams, I think. Okay. He, he, he came. I think he was on the Chiefs last, but once on the Rams. So I, so I spent three minutes laughing about how Ethan Posick yeah. is still the center of the team. When he's not even on the team. So is this Thank you very listeners much. that hit, hit you up and tell you? Oh, like, plenty. <laughs> they love it, don't they? Which is fine. Which is fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They love it. And then the other thing was when I recorded 189P with Danny yeah. on a Wednesday, it was just announced. That, that, what I'm about to tell you is really one of the great embarrassments it is. Yeah, I, That's I mean, saying something from, for no, your just, career. From, oh yeah, <laughs> life and career. I'm talking sports yeah. info okay. embarrassments, not life embarrassments. Gotcha. Okay, Fine. Okay. fair okay. enough. All right. <laughs> they had just announced when we started 189P that the Seahawks were going to be the first team to ever play one of the first two teams to ever play in Germany. Did yeah. you hear that? I did. They're yes. going to play Tom Brady and the Bucks. Right. In Germany. And Oktoberfest is back for the first time in two years. So what a what a great time to go to Germany. I thought it was in November, though. I think the game is in November. Oh, it is. Okay. Yeah. Maybe Oktoberfest goes into November. I don't know. And I was intrigued by that. And when I whenever I hear that a team that I like, either the Dolphins or the Seahawks, are going to play in England or going to play in Germany, the first question that always comes to my mind for whatever reason is, okay, who's losing a home game? Oh, gotcha. Somebody's losing a home yeah. game. I'm a season ticket or the season ticket holder of the Seahawks. My brother's a season ticket holder of the Dolphins. I'm always curious. Okay, who's and I've always been under the impression that when the Seahawks play on the road or when they play in London or wherever, now Germany, yeah. that they would never take a home game away from the Seahawks because the Seahawks home because of the sure, yeah. the, the infamy of the Seahawks. Okay. But none of the articles. This was minutes before I recorded with Danny. Okay. None of the articles mentioned whether the Bucks or the Seahawks were the home team. So I go on with Danny yeah. about five minutes after I mentioned Ethan Posick on the on the Seahawks for a few minutes. Yeah. Um, and I wondered aloud, have you seen who's going to be the home team? I don't think they've announced who's going to be the home team. Yeah. He said, I haven't seen. I said, I looked at about three or four articles. I never mentioned who's going to be. I'm wondering who loses the home game. I guess it's not been announced yet. Yada, yada, yada. When... I am a huge stickler about this is what's embarrassing. The most embarrassing part of this okay. is I've spent 25 years telling people on radio shows and podcasts that schedules have been out for years. We know who the we know who the teams are yeah. and where the games are years in advance, <laughs> except for those two or three wild card games out of 17 that are dependent upon the finish in the standings of the previous season. But even after the previous season is over, we know who those three teams are and we know where those three games are. Yeah. I had totally forgotten what I've been what I've been preaching for 25 years. All I had to do was look and see, do they play the Bucks at home or do they play the Bucks on the road? <laughs> and on every website in the world it says they play the Bucks on the road this year. Okay. So it's the Bucks home. But here I am going, <laughs> I don't know. No one's announcing to That's me. Right. I'm like, what the hell? God, it was not a good show. Uh, well, what is wrong with me? I've known that forever. Yeah. 
that like next year's, like not even this coming year's schedule. Like if you asked me, Mitch, who's going to be on the 2023 Seahawks schedule? Yeah. I could give you, you could 14 of the 17 games, yeah. home and away. When the schedules come out and they're released, <laughs> the only thing that's released, people don't get this. The only thing that's released when the schedules come out, that's a big day. Oh, sure. Do, is the order in which they play. We don't know whether you they play. dates. Right. We don't yeah. have dates and who they play when and yeah, how many. Yeah. Monday night football. No, we don't know that, any of yeah. that. No. But we know who they're playing and where <laughs> five years in advance. Yeah. And here I am asking. But is Danny also in that group of I'm not going to discuss Danny's. <laughs> okay. He's culpable. A behavior. Little, come on. You can't take it all. Didn't he? Wasn't he a beat writer for the Seahawks at one point in his life? Come on now. Let's go, Daddy. Stay with us. <laughs> anyway, there you go. There's uh, oh. there's Mitch's an idiot trivia to start off 190. So no questions for me, just... No. Yeah, sure. okay. Well, I, I would... It'll be a little harder. An idiot's a little strong. I mean, you know. Well, two in, a, two in the same, <laughs> like, five-minute span of one show? No. I just... I love that the listeners couldn't wait to get uh, on there. Mitch, I gotta tell you something. Uh, Ethan Posick, Mitch. Yeah, oh, God, they love it, don't they? They're sending me pictures of him in a Cleveland Browns <laughs> In case you don't believe him. <laughs> God damn it. Oh, that's so funny. They are the best. Anyway, at least the Mariners won. Yay! For the first time in a long time, at least for the second time in a long time. The the two and nine and the last eleven yeah. Mariners. You mentioned Mariners. that you saw that they had the best record, and that's the last thing that you needed to see. When I read that on Twitter, they they did for like a minute have the best record in in the American, American League. I think American League. Yeah, I remember reading that, and, and I, they went one and nine over the next ten. I, I didn't go look. I just assumed that person was right, which is probably stupid. They probably were right. It was actually a pretty big day on Sunday at the old ballpark. It was because yeah. George Kirby. Have you followed that story at all? A little bit. I know he was drafted three years ago. 2018 draft out of Alon University. You ever heard of Alon University? No. My niece actually went to Alon University. Really? Yeah, and I have a friend whose son goes to Alon University. It's in North Carolina. It's in the Carolinas somewhere. I think it's in North Carolina. Okay. It's a it's a very uh, a very good like liberal arts college. Alon. They actually have a Division One basketball program that plays Duke every year and loses by 70. It's part of a okay. It's part of a deal. Well, George Kirby played baseball at Alon. He was a, I want to say the 20th or 25th pick in the first round, 2018. He's been nothing short of great in his minor league stints, including this year's five starts at Arkansas. He was great. And so he made his debut for the Mariners. And of course they scored. They they appreciated his debut by scoring no runs for him. (laughs) And then as soon as he comes out, didn't the next guy give up a solo home run? Is, yes, the next guy. <laughs> That's your reward for there pitching you go. six scoreless Welcome, scores. George, yeah. to Seattle. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but Kirby went out there and threw six innings, shutout ball. Looked great. Seven strikeouts, no walks. He's got like three or four pitches. Crazy. Throws them all for strikes. They sent Brash down, who can't find the strike zone. He's got great stuff, but he's all over. He's all over the yard. Okay. Apparently, they're going to make him into a reliever, I oh, think. Okay. But Kirby looked great. There's no... There's no reason why now he won't be in the rotation for many years to come. Love it. So, so great. And he, so he pitched well. Of course, he didn't get any run support, but then they scored later to yeah. tie. Toro, right? had Toro hit home a home run, run in the ninth. And then what did they do, Hot Shot? Do yeah. I need to I had to be bring here this for up? this. I had to be here for What did they do in the bottom of the 10th after they held, after the Tampa Bay Rays didn't do it in the top of the 10th? Yeah. 
Uh, they squared around for a bunt yes. to move the runner over. Yes. Yeah, and it was successful. And it almost they were almost, it was almost safe at first, too. Yeah, because the bat you can because pitchers can't throw to first. What is that? They can only throw to the catcher, but they can't throw to first. The most accurate people on earth with a baseball right. can't throw to first base as opposed to home. I'll point out that in the top of the tenth, while you were with the fish and the eagle, <laughs> yeah. the Rays started with a guy on second and nobody out. Okay. Chose not to sacrifice. The next guy got out, leaving the guy at second with one out. And then the next guy hit a laser down the right field line that Kelnick had to come over deep le- deep right and make a catch. The guy would have easily scored from third on a sacrifice uh, fly had they sat. I, 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 I just want to point that out. I know you do, yes. So George Kirby makes his debut, Kyle Lewis. Anyway, we're... We're we're just starting episode 190, yeah. so I maybe probably shouldn't be talking. about You said that. Kyle Lewis. Are you going to get into something about him? Well, he's he's done well. He's 17 at bat, six of 17. Good in the minor leagues. He's got a, a week or two more, and then he'll be up, and then probably Kelnick will be down. Love it. I'm ready for him. Kyle Lewis, the the one time American League Rookie of the Year. Crazy. He's hit two home runs in his first four games. Got a double, six for 17. Not bad. Imagine just Not adding bad. him. Imagine just adding him. Mm-hmm. Well, a former AL Rookie of the Year is not yeah. nothing. Really? You're going to give it that to it? I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'm i not like off my chair excited. Okay. I'm worried about what he is right now, especially his durability. He's got no durability. I mean, he's hurt all the time. Seems now. like it. Yeah. yeah. So I hope he's a great guy. I know I, I interviewed him a couple times. He's a great guy. He is. Okay. He is an awesome guy. So I hope that I hope that he succeeds this next time around. Me but too. we'll have to kind of wait and see. Did, was it just yeah. me or did Kelnick get tagged out by a string on a mitt? I was watching. He did. He did on a on a steal attempt, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And what? This drives me crazy about infielders. I try to tell kids that I coach, when you're trying to tag somebody out and they're sliding into the base, why not just put the mitt in front of the base? Why do you try to tag the person? Kids do that all the time. You see him. Try- yeah. And this guy swiped at it. Yeah. Why not just maybe because the throw wasn't exactly where the mitt would be in front of the base that the the, the throw was a little bit. Towards the first base side, of maybe second. it looked pretty and he had good. To, and he yeah. had to, I, I, I'm but just guessing. If he just puts it in front of the bag, yeah, you know where the cleats are going. They're not sliding towards home. But or the right assumption, field. the assumption is the ball arrives in time and at the right exact place yeah. to allow you to put the glove, yeah, in front of the base, yeah, right. But I just couldn't believe a string, string, a little string off the glove, yeah. Unreal. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, Kelnick just can't buy a break, can he? Episode 190 guests. Uh, we've got four guest segments, normally Whoa. three. We're doing yeah. four. Okay. Ask me why we're doing four. Why are you doing four? No idea. All right. No, I do have an idea. Because we had set up the show, and then the Seattle Sounders went out ah. and accomplished something in front of 70,000 people on Wednesday, they won some sort of a, a cup that's really big in the soccer world I don't know anything about. Is it the and I start, CONCACAF maybe? Yeah, CONCACAF okay. Cup. Okay. And I started getting I started getting emails and tweets. Oh. Hey, are you going to do a soccer thing? Are you going to do a soccer thing? Mitch, you got to do a soccer thing. This is a big deal. You've got to do a t- soccer thing. So I figured we'd add a fourth guest named Matt Stretch Johnson, oh. the former play-by-play voice of the Seattle Sounders. So he's one of the guests. Love it. Chris Kapilovic, you wouldn't know his name, Coach Cap. He's the assistant head coach at Michigan State. He was in charge of the running game at Michigan State. Love it. And uh, in charge of Kenneth Walker, who became a very special running back yeah. that the Seahawks drafted. And I guess it, at rookie camp, he 
He looked great, explosive, was oh. catching balls out of the backfield. Can't wait. So everybody was excited about that. He'll be with us, his coach from Michigan State. We've got a guy by the name of Kerry Cosby on, spelled with a Z, not an S. Okay. He is going to tell a story. He's the director of golf at Southern Hills Country Club, and he was minding his own business about 10 days ago. Okay. In the pro shop, doing whatever they do, and he got a call from Tiger Woods' people Whoa. telling him that Tiger is making a, a trip. He's not allowed to tell anybody. It's got to be a complete secret. Tiger's making a trip. He wants to play this club that's the site of the PGA Championship, and he needs a caddy. Woo. If you know of two people, somebody that will carry his bag, he said, I do. I know somebody will carry his bag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then his buddies coming with him or his business partners coming with him, and he'll need a caddy too. So this guy was not allowed to tell his family, not allowed to tell anybody. It's a complete top secret when Tiger flies in and plays a golf course because Crazy. of everything that happens. Yeah. He waits to the day of. He tells his 13-year-old son who plays golf, Guess who you're guess what you're doing today instead of going to school? Wow. And they spend the next five hours. He comes flying in, gets off the private plane, goes right to the driving range, goes right to the first tee, doesn't go in the clubhouse. Yeah. Within eight minutes of arriving on the property, it's all over social media and all over the country. Tiger is in Tulsa, Oklahoma playing. It took eight minutes. <laughs> By the second hole. There's helicopters. There's oh people gosh. coming out of the out of the woods, out of the trees. People yeah. are it's it's spreading like wildfire. The tiger's there. So this guy's gonna tell the story Crazy. of what it was like, what his day was like, having to host Tiger Woods and 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 usher him around, caddy for him around the golf course. He and his son. Kind of a dumb question, probably, but yes. let's, let's say you got to caddy for Tiger, for instance. Yes, like you you worked there and you weaseled your way in. Would you help him with, like? club selection or does he already know what club he wants like you're not a professional caddy this guy probably isn't either <laughs> this guy played okay well you play a little bit i mean yeah. you have an idea of probably what club but like how, how does that work does tiger want his input or are you just literally a bag carrier you, you I, I think as a caddy i've never been a caddy okay you shut up oh you do okay you shut up and you and you let you let the the player kind of tell you what he wants. I see. Okay, you're not giving. He tips makes it no, no advice. <laughs> Tiger, you took it back a little bit inside there. Well, more like this guy knows the course probably. Well, pretty that's well. one of the. Well, the courses. Tiger actually won there. Okay, so he knows when they the team, played then. the PGA. No, they they played the PGA there in 2007. Okay, and they he, he won. Okay, but they've now redone the golf course since he's played. Gotcha. And this guy runs the golf course, so this guy was giving him tips. That's what I'm wondering. Yes, about okay. hey, you may want to play down to here and come at it from this angle right. or here's what we did here. He's not on yeah. swing mechanics, no, no. <laughs> but you know, like just telling him, Hey, it's kind of tricky around it, whatever, you know? So well, in the, in the interview, when he talks about the story about yeah. hosting Tiger Woods and trying to keep it secret and his wife getting mad at him for keeping a secret <laughs> from him. Um, he tells the story about, okay, trying to figure out what Tiger wants from me. Oh yeah. 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 And he said, literally, Literally, people with cameras were in the trees. They started finding Gosh. people started finding out all over the city that he was there, and they just flocked to the course. He said, by the time by the time they were coming up the 18th hole, there were people all over the place. Amazing. And then he, you know, signs a couple things, gets on his plane, and he's out of there. Boy, it's good to be Tiger. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it good to be Tiger? So I wanted this guy to tell the story. I love it. And by the way, I'm I'm all for education. I married a teacher. I want my kid to go to college. 
but pulling your kid out of school for this is what life's about, right? <laughs> I mean, I'm so glad that he didn't go, well, he can't miss. No, you're pulling him out of school for this. This kid so is cool. 13 years old. He dropped to his knees when he found out. <laughs> Really? He dropped to his <laughs> knees, but then you got to do the math. Yeah, he, He's not even old enough to remember Tiger Woods right. when Tiger Woods was Tiger Woods. But like he knows the stories. Well, but, but yeah. I, I, you, for a comparison, I mean, do you remember Arnold Palmer in his prime? No. no. But would you caddy for yeah. him at 13? I mean, yes. exactly. So, you know, if, if you know the game, you know the legends, and that's amazing. What a cool story. I can't wait to hear it. So he's uh, he's going to be on the show. Kerry Cosby is his name. We've got Matt Stretch Johnson on what the Sounders accomplished. We've got Mike DeCourcy, the college hoops voice and writer for the Sporting News on the Jay Wright Villanova thing, on uh, Gonzaga, on how NIL is changing college basketball, wow. how it might be shipping some of our great coaches don't want to do it anymore because of NIL. Yeah. Mike DeCourcy is going to talk a little bit about that. So four guest segments. Boy, big show. After your two faux pas on the Peace Show, I think you can, you've made up. You've more than made up for it. With if I haven't made any mistakes, I have. Oh, that's true. We haven't listened yet, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Hot shot with the busiest Sunday of the year at the Northwest Best Steakhouse. Now in our rearview mirror, Mother's Day. Sunny, warm weather hopefully is around the corner which brings to mind outdoor seating at Bellevue, Leshy, and South Lake Union. A little birdie named Max Levy tells me quite the remodel of the South Lake Union patio is wrapping up. Can't wait to see it. Going to be awesome. Daniel's Broiler, world-class steakhouses. Fireside Home Solutions, without Fireside's incredible support, lots of fun pools and contests for our listeners would not happen. The PGA Championship pool is next. Begin your search for fireplaces and garage doors at FiresideHomeSolutions.com. When the National Powerhouse Cross Country Mortgage wanted a new Kirkland, Washington office, they turned to Jordan Flowers and his Kirkland team. Easy choice. No one comes up with more creative ways to save you money on your monthly mortgage than Jordan's group. Save hundreds every month just with a seven-minute phone call. That's all you need. Jordan's number, 425 890 2957. Evergreen Golf Call, tax advisors, certified financial planners, experienced portfolio managers working together to bring retirement planning taxes and investments under one roof. Evergreengk.com. More than just a financial advisor, Evergreen is everything wealth. And Zeke's Pizza now in Spokane and Milk Creek, White Center on 16th Avenue Southwest. Pizza, salads, and the best beer selection anywhere. Homegrown in the Northwest, Zeke's Pizza. This is episode 190, and it begins right now. Unfiltered. I guess it, I'd have to know who they were going to pick. I mean, if they weren't going to pick the running back, who were they going to pick? Were they going to pick a wide receiver like D. Eskridge? I'd rather, Ken, much I, I'd rather Kenneth Walker than D, another D. Eskridge. Let's put it that way. Unfiltered. You know, there's more to the at-bat than the third strike. Is he swinging at bad pitches and strikes one and two? Is he missing good pitches in strikes one and two. Is he watching strikes one and two? Mitch is unfiltered. Episode 190 as we record this on Mother's Day. Oh, yes. Is officially underway. I woke up, got to sleep in a bit on Mother's Day. I did what every well-informed American does. What does every well-informed American do? Well, you check social media for your news. That's what we do, right? I mean, okay. come on. Is that what you did? Yeah. I, I always wake up just because I like to see who died. Yeah. Mostly. You yeah. know, that's what. I, so I checked Twitter. <laughs> the number one trending thing on Mother's Day happened to be the word MILF. 
And I was just thinking, that's oh, so geez. that's so Twitter, isn't it? It's so perfect. They had to make that be the number one trending, at least when Jesus. I looked at it. I remember on Easter, Satan was what the number one. What makes it the number one trending? How does that work? I, I don't, well, I guess however many times it's typed. There's a hashtag and it says MILF. Is that what it is? I don't even know. Yeah, I, I thought it was always hashtag, but but even the people who hate it are like, come on, everyone, you had to make MILF the number one. But that counts <laughs> in the tally, you dummy. You're just perpetuating this now, nonstop. Now, let me ask you a question. When you realize that, when you open yeah. your eyes and you check for your worldly news, <laughs> and this right. is what you come up with, yeah. what do you do with that news? Do you tell your wife, hey, honey, look what's the number I actually, one trend? I actually did show her. You did? She was disgusted. <laughs> I, but I love that reaction I from mean, her. I mean, you're a man with a with a wife and a and one kid who's a daughter. That's right, yeah, she is do a daughter. Do you hold this news until you see Mitch? <laughs> Or do you spread the? Do you go out into the uh, into the neighborhood, into the Snoqualmie neighborhood, and yeah. and find another guy like mowing the lawn? Hey, you see this? I, I, what <laughs> I do you want do? to. What does a guy of your caliber do with news like <laughs> what that? What caliber? Am I? <laughs> I have to. I, I have this awful oh, trait where I love getting that reaction from her because she gets disgusted pretty easily. Uh, so I, I love showing her stuff like that. And how long does that conversation last? Well, there's no conversation. It's like I, ten seconds. Well, I just show her, and then she just shakes her head and goes back to her phone. <laughs> but I just I just wanted this to show a, her. This is the first communication you had with her on Mother's Day, <laughs> That's right? exactly right. You hadn't yes. even wished her an happy no, Mother's no Day. No, no cards, no coffee, no nothing. Here you go, MILF oh, is trending. God. And what do you do on Mother's Day? Do you uh, do you do something special? Does Piper do something special? Is she too young to... <sighs> like, I got to... I got to remind the boys, did you get a car? You know, they're driving, one's 20, one's 16. They drive everywhere else. They want to be treated like adults. But yeah. then it's like, you didn't get a, you didn't get a Mother's Day card for us? Right, they get this. like, go get your own effing Mother's Day card. Adulthood is a la carte for them, right? They, they like, pick and choose where, what they like from convenient. it. That's right. I actually thought I would see Max when I pulled up. I thought he'd, you know, grace He was guys. here. We, oh, we, he was. We, we dropped him off, yeah. Okay. I'm like, so I say to the guy, did you guys get anything? Um, yeah, I don't think mom wants anything. Yeah. Did she say that? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> kind of. Right. Do you think she meant it? <laughs> right. How long have you known this woman? I mean, come on, everybody. Figure it out. Read you guys the room. want you want cars. You want independence. You want to be able to go and come as you please. Right. You go there. You go here. Dad, didn't you didn't you go get a mother's day card? Yeah. Did you get one for us? Uh, go get your own. Exactly. You have car keys and probably two dollars in your sakes. wallet. I know. Go to the dollar store if you have so to. So where's Piper card. on this? Well, I don't know if you saw the saddest tweet of, of my life on Friday that I tweeted out. Okay, not of not ever, but... What happened? So I, I checked my email. I don't know when it was, Friday. And oh, because of the softball tournament? Everything was just canceled. I mean, look, look outside! It's, I mean, it's beautiful. canceled. Yeah, so we were supposed to be in Lacey, Washington. Love Lacey. So we had, Downtown Lacey. Oh, this time of year, it's to die for. Yeah. So we had nothing planned. So now, I'm stuck sitting around the house looking at each other. We're all no three plans. of you going? Yeah, sure. All three, yeah. Nothing planned. So, so I don't. We don't have any plans. I woke up and I cooked breakfast for my oh, wife and yeah. showed her what the trending topic is. Yeah, showed her uh, what milk. What, what is a man of your caliber? What does he uh, cook? What does he well, typ whip up? Typically, she loves eggs Benedict. Yeah. So I was very embarrassed last night. We went shopping for the groceries at like ten thirty because we were coming back from somewhere. Yeah. And I I bought a powdered packet of hollandaise sauce, mm. which really bummed me out because yeah. I usually make mine from scratch. Look at you which is not easy, by the way. Look at you. It's hard. I got to tell you. I've messed it up a few times. Yeah. If you get it too warm, now you got scrambled eggs instead of hollandaise sauce. It's it's no good. So I made that this morning. I made a little, and then I had to go in and nice. pre prepare notes That's for the show. And nice. here I am. We, yeah. I, I think that her and Piper are going to a movie together. So she'll spend time with her child. She doesn't need me. It's Mother's Day. You want to be with your kid. What do you need from me?
Yeah. I'm sitting here watching fish fall down out of the sky. That's all I'm doing. <laughs> I mean, come on. She's good. <laughs> uh, I, I just have, I don't have any main topic for segment number one. I've got a lot of other stuff segment. I don't know that there's anything in particular that I wanted to use all of segment number one to talk about. I will say this, and maybe it's just the the heart that I've got. I, you know, I, I read the story about Earl Thomas. I don't know if that's been resolved. Are you familiar with what I'm talking about? Yeah, I actually meant to put it in my notes. There was an arrest warrant out for... This is a couple of weeks after he proclaimed, I'm coming back. I'm yeah. ready to come back to the NFL. You told me that. Like you know, 33 or 34 years old. I'm not sure how old he is. Yeah, we discussed it on one yeah. episode, yeah. A couple of weeks later, here we are talking about oh, an arrest warrant because of some... It. Some um, threatening messages that he may or may not have sent to his ex involving yeah. her and the kids, and it's ugly, and it's, oh. it, you know, in and of itself, I don't know how serious of a, a deal this is, but it's just another peg in the Earl Thomas kind of gone downhill. It just feels like. No doubt. And, and maybe I'm making a mountain out of a molehill. Remember, the it started with the, the finger, the middle finger to the Pete Carroll coaching staff when he was here being carted off. Yeah. Ever since he didn't get that contract, and then he went to Baltimore, and people didn't like him in Baltimore, didn't and there were domestic incidents in Baltimore. About, wasn't there a player mutiny that said, if you yeah, bring this if guy in, we're we out. We don't want him. Yeah. He went from like the most lovable, oh, yeah. beloved teammate to like this pariah. Yep. And then there was the, um, there was the, the hotel room. Yes. Routine. The ex-wife or the wife at the time found yeah. him. And his brother yep. in bed with other women. Yep. She took a gun that she didn't know it was loaded. Right. She put it to his head. They they wrestled over the gun. The gun could have very easily gone off. Yep. I mean, it's just been one thing after the no another with him. And the first reaction that I have when I see something like this, yeah. when I see the video of Richard Sherman at the front door of the in-laws, remember that old oh, thing? Oh, yeah, we talked about that a lot. And maybe I shouldn't. Maybe it's just way too simple to attribute everything to CTE. Yeah. Do you think CTE when you when you read about the arrest warrant and him going off again, do you think that, or am I the am I the only one who thinks that? Not only do I think it when I see this sort of passionate, erratic behavior, but I told you I watch the game differently too. When I see, I used to love the hard hits. Yeah. Yeah. Bam! Take his head off. You know the whole yeah, thing. Yeah. Yeah. I look at it, especially in college, when I see a guy just get knocked out, I think... What's that going to mean in 10 years? Exactly right. Well, you know, the other team's loving it because somebody so got knocked out, but sad. it is. And, and, and by the way, I, I should have said this at the beginning. I should have said this at the beginning. I sure hope that the audience doesn't hear this and say, Mitch, what about the victim? I'm not being dismissive to the victim at all. I, I hope I'm not coming across that way. I'm not looking for excuses for him. Yeah. I'm just saying, in this day and age of CTE... It is so heartbreaking, and maybe it's not involved here. Maybe this has nothing to do with it. I'm, none of us really will ever know until they look at his brain. Right. But it just scares me. Watching these guys commit suicide and just run afoul and not be able to live a peaceful life. These guys are 30 years old. They're coming out of they're coming out of the NFL at 28. They've got right. 50, they got 60 more years. <laughs> what it wouldn't do to be 30. It's <laughs> I mean, just yeah. so sad. It is sad. And, you know, whenever kids are involved too, like yeah, again, I'm yeah. not, I'm not being dismissive. And I think they were the involved here. This, this involved him seeing the kids. I think Richard Sherman was having trouble too, and he's got, you know, whenever I mean, think about what you would do for your God. kids. You would kill somebody for your kids, of right? Course. I mean, of course, yeah. we all would. And when someone says you can't see them or they're keeping them from you, you could see your irritation and frustration level just getting ratcheted up to eleven. 
So right. I, I right. understand. And then if you're sort of dealing with some maybe some temper issues, yeah. and then you could see someone just losing it like he did. It is very sad. Now, do you? We talked about him maybe coming back. He's not playing in the NFL again after this, right? I mean, well, I don't know what this is. It's an arrest, right? It's in the early stages. I don't know whether okay. this. I, I don't want to editorialize on what this incident's all about because I don't know the specifics of it. It's hard for me to, it was hard for me to believe three weeks ago when I told you that he's going to find a place after all that's happened in Baltimore and all the locker room stuff. I can't imagine. Yes. The answer to your question is that I don't imagine that Earl Thomas is ever going to play in the NFL again. We've learned one thing from the NFL. And if you have baggage, you better be young and good, right? Really good. Kaepernick, like can't buy his Terrell Owens kept trying. How many times that guy keep trying to make it? The circus around him, he just, the payoff wasn't worth it. So, yeah, he's, uh, I think I'm just feeling bad. I'm feeling bad for her. I'm feeling bad for those kids. Right. I'm feeling bad for him and his future and all the other NFL players. If, if he's involved in this, I, I don't know. Who knows if he has CTE, but when you watched him play, no one got more out of their 185 pounds than that guy did, right? Oh, sticking his head in. Always. I mean, every ounce of his body weight was being launched like a missile. So if it turns out he did, I you could put me in the camp as not surprised because that guy left it all out there and he flew around at a high speed. While I'm admitting to feeling bad, I'll give you another athlete I'm feeling bad and I'm now going to change my stance. I've made a career. I mentioned this to Slickhawk at the top of the uh, the show on Thursday or Friday. I've made a career out of hating on professional golfer Phil Mickelson. Wait a second. Yes. Can't do it anymore. I'm done. This is a pretty. I think you should have led with this. This is a pretty big story. Well, I led. I led that show with you. It. Did okay. Yeah, it was. A, it was my big announcement. Wow. I've come. To, I've come to the point where it's not fun anymore to take shots at Phil Mickelson. Have you read the latest? Not the latest. Well, the thing that came out of the, the book that's coming out. They're releasing little pieces of it that he lost forty million dollars in gambling from twenty ten to twenty four over a four year period. He lost forty million dollars. Who wow. knows how much he lost up until twenty ten? Who knows how much he's lost since? 2014, you know the whole story about him being jettisoned from the game. and No wonder he's bitching about how much the PGA Tour pays him. I mean, the guy needs money. I'm not trying to laugh, really. It's just, it's kind of like Earl Thomas from the standpoint that I don't know whether Earl Thomas is really suffering from CTE. Yeah. I don't know that Phil Mickelson is in a really bad place right now. I don't know that, but it feels that way. Yeah. And it's just not fun anymore to take shots at him. Didn't he lose all of his sponsors or most of the big ones? I think or? he lost most of his sponsors. Yeah. Everybody's mad at him. There's another book that's... Con- Look, I don't... As I said to Slickhawk, I don't walk back on any of the reasons I disliked him. I've never liked the guy. In fact, do you feel vindicated a bit knowing that he's... Maybe a little bit. Okay. Nobody good. asks me anymore. Why don't, why don't you like Phil Mickelson? It's funny. Nobody asks me that anymore. Yeah. I think people know <laughs> yeah, right. now. I mean, I don't, I don't walk back... I go back to the, I don't know if you followed the insider trading thing. A little bit, yeah. So he made a million dollars on a stock tip, some inside information. And it would, when it was found out, other people went to jail. He obviously didn't. He had to pay back his profit of a million dollars. Yeah. I thought at the time, I think, I still think now that he got away really, really. There are other people that go to jail for that. Okay. And somehow he got off with kind of a slap on the hand. Yeah. I felt at the time that he knew specifically that he was getting illegal information, illegal inside information, yeah. and then he used it to his advantage. He claims <sighs> not. 
I don't walk back on any of the reasons why I disliked him, but I find myself kind of bleeding inside. It feels like something really bad's going on there and that maybe things aren't great with his family you're hearing oh, rumors God. are, things aren't good. For, and, you know, at some point, the, the fun and games of taking shots at Phil Mickelson kind of became not so fun anymore. The $40 million in four years on gambling... Like when is we've enough known for, enough? We've known for years that he's a big gambler. Okay. Years. Big, big, big time gambler. Are we talking golf? Or is he betting on sports? Everything. Like, okay. Everything. Two, two drops of water on the ceiling. He, I got left. Yes. Okay. Card flipping. <laughs> right. Pennies to the wall. Pitching pennies. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Whatever you want to. Yeah. AC Ducey in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> Pot it. Uh, guts. Yeah, right. Oh, a good game God. Of guts, guts especially torture. when you put the one up to your head. That's right. There's yeah. no mirrors in the wall. <laughs> I didn't think about that. It's a great trick. <laughs> By the way, how cool was it to see that? Quite a 25-year-old Phil Mickelson was in the, the Greg Norman 30 for 30. Yeah. That was pretty interesting. That Yeah. You liked the. You went home last week. You. you were texting us about the. Since when do you like a good golf go a documentary? Well, the answer is, I've told you, I love every 30 for 30. I don't care oh, what okay. it's about, so right? You were, you were going to love it no matter it's what. It's just a cool story. Yeah. And God, it, I, I knew a little bit about it. I remember the one in 96. I was working at KJR. And so I was kind of. The Nick Faldo thing? Yeah. I remember that one. I remember yeah. that just being heart-wrenching. But I didn't realize that the 81 and then. And I, I knew, was Arnold Palmer one in 86? Or Jack no. Nicholas? Jack Nicholas in 86 of the Masters. I, I knew Jack won it, but I didn't realize that Greg was like storming. To oh, come. yeah. Oh, yeah. That he was, was heartbreaking. He was in the last group of the day. He was the last guy that had a chance to tie him yeah. in 86, and he hit a four iron a mile right and then bogeyed the hole. I didn't know oh, some of those shots that those other guys were hitting. Larry Mice. Oh, God, the Mice one was incredible. So yeah. I, did, I didn't really know all of that. Yeah. And I always heard he was a little prickly and kind of a he jerk. He was. He was. He seemed pretty likable on the 30 for 30. Did he? And by the way, I thought he looked better and younger. Didn't you think he looked good? I, I you see those old, those old. He looked like really tan and kind of wrinkly, and I thought he looked pretty good for an older <laughs> man. I was pretty impressed. Like, how, how do you look better? But it was just sad watching him walk around Augusta by himself, or you know, him and the caddy. It they was just, forced uh, him to watch that '96 Masters on the tablet. That was it was awesome. kind of like the Michael Jordan thing. Yeah, right. Sitting in a chair in like a hotel room watching. All of his collapse in the final round of the Masters. He admitted he's never seen that round. Why would I watch it? I lived it. Like, no, I've never watched it. Amazing. That was he really good. Now. What a what a fascinating. I didn't know. Did they say he was number one for like 331 oh, weeks? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like, like six years he was yeah. number one? Yeah. There was nobody like him. Incredible. Shark. He's done well for himself. Don't worry about his finances. Financially, I know he's done fine. By the way, Very st well. still plugging the shark gear, the yeah. little shark logo. He, can't, he doesn't miss yeah. a beat, but... It was interesting. A little fascinating he guy. He tried to weasel his way into the, the British Open this year. It's he, at St. Andrews. Oh, he did? Yeah, he's not obviously qualified to play anymore. Okay. And he decided he was going to come back. And he, he thought when Greg Norman decides he'll play one more year, yeah. that they'll just they'll just come up with some sort of a reason to have him in. Yeah. They're out. <laughs> they, they said no can do. No, thank you. <laughs> I know. I was. I was wondering. I. I don't know the answer. Yeah. If there was some way he could weasel into the Masters, just somehow. No way. What would it take to get him back in the Masters for one more run at it? It's impossible. It would take the Masters committee to say we're gonna just like an exception. Would, yeah. No. No. It's not. That would never happen. Never. Ever. Ever happen. He would have. Ever. To, he would have to just commit to being a pro and win tournaments and just. Like, He'd have to go. Yeah. To yeah. Go through the process of qualifying oh, for the Masters, which he could never do. So sad. Yeah. Anyway, four interview subjects. Okay. Okay. 
Normally three, we've got the extra fourth because of the Sounders success on yeah. Wednesday over there at the stadium. Someone, right? someone and then a tweeted bunch of, out something, uh, sorry, a list of the top 10 soccer teams in the world. And there's the usual, you know, Real Madrid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Sounders are like ninth in the world. Yeah, they just lost three in a row in the MLS. <laughs> amazing though i was like god the sounders really all right maybe I'll so start four watching. interview segments and then we'll come back with the other stuff of episode 190 it's trivia time the director of financial planning at evergreen golf call rejoins us on mitch unfiltered katie versio katie how are you how's everything at evergreen golf call i know it's been tough in the markets the last few months hey mitch uh it has been a very volatile last few months but we're all doing well do we have a theme of questioning today? Yes. Today's theme is focused on interest rates. There's right. been some changes this year, and it's really been impacting markets. So I'm curious to how much you've been paying attention. I haven't been, but I'll do my very best. Well, I kind of have been. Question number one, Katie. So in March, the Federal Reserve raised interest rates for the first time since December 2018. How much did they increase rates by? Was it 0.25% or 0.5%. I'll say 0.25%. All right, you got it. Oh. Yes. <laughs> yes, so they increased by just 0.25% and it's really impacted markets. Both stocks and bonds are down in this environment with bonds down about 9% and stocks down anywhere from 13 to 20%. It's really increased volatility. Okay, I guess I'm off to a good start, uh, surprisingly to all of us. A question number two, Katie. So the change in interest rates has impacted areas of the market differently. In April of 2021, a year ago, yeah. the 30-year fixed mortgage rate was on average about 3.2%. What is that mortgage rate today if you're gonna go out and get a new mortgage? Is it 4.2%, 5%, or 5.2%? I'll say 5%, I'll go right in the middle, Katie. It's actually 5.2%. So it's an increase on average of two percentage points. So that's a huge increase over that time period. Yeah, it's costing us a lot more each month on our mortgage. All right, question number three. Maybe I can go two for three. Go ahead. Okay, so in April of 2021, a six-month CD would earn you 0.17% in interest. So not very much. What is that rate today? Is it 0.2%, 0.5%, or 1% on a six-month CD? I'll say... 0.5%, right in the middle again. Actually, 0.2%. Oh, so it's been interesting where, well, mortgage rates have spiked and some other interest rates have, have gone up. At the shorter end of the curve, interest rates have not increased much at all. So for savers, for those that are looking to save into a savings account or a money market, it really hasn't increased much at all. Which means it's been a bad few months all the way around for all of us savers out there. Right, Katie? That's right. Uh. All right, well, next time we'll have a better update, hopefully, from Evergreen Golf Call. We love Katie Versio. We congratulate her on her new title over there at Evergreen Golf Call because Evergreen is everything wealth. Unfiltered. Rosnack steps in. Albert Rosnack bounces down. Playback Rui Diaz! Ladies and gentlemen, he's back. He's counting his new money from the sizable wager that he placed on Rich Strike. 
in the Kentucky Derby on Saturday. How much you have on him, Stretchy, at 80 to 1? Just 100 a, just a to win. Just 100 to win. You didn't, yep. you didn't box him with all the other horsies for an exact box? <laughs> well, you know, it's the biggest hindsight sport in the world. So I was telling my buddy, I said, look it, there's the favorite. You know, somebody had to have done like a $2 exacta box, the favorite with all. Yeah. I mean, but uh, no, I had the second and third place uh, finishers, and that's kind of my horse gambling history. I had the two favorites. I had the, the three and the 10 uh, for a, a few dollars, and, and I couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. Shocking. My old friend, Matt Stretch Johnson, I've invited the former play-by-play voice of the Seattle Sounders on the show to explain what all the hullabaloo is about. Because I don't really understand, Stretchy. What did the Sounders do last week that has the whole world talking? Or is it just everybody here and we're pretending that the whole world is talking? Is it a big no, deal? No, no, no. it's a big deal. No, it, you know, it's world news, to be honest with oh, you. Okay. Uh, it's world news. It's the first MLS club to ever win the CONCACAF Champions League. It's the first non, uh, non-Mexican team since, I believe, 2005 to win it. Uh, it is dominated by, the, by Liga MX, which is the Mexican uh, – soccer league and for the Seattle Sounders to do it, everybody, you you know, everybody in Europe was talking about Germany, Spain, England, obviously Mexico, because this team came up and lost the cup up here. I always joke that not in Brazil because they don't know anything that's going on outside of Brazil as it pertains to soccer. But yeah, this was world news. First MLS team to do it. The performance was amazing. The crowd was amazing. And and it was a big, big moment on Wednesday. Okay. So tell me what exactly I understand what they won, the Kankaka cough or whatever you call it. <laughs> cough, I can't say it. Uh, but but I don't yeah. really understand. So they're in the middle of a season. Do they stop the season? They they do all these things, this U.S. Open Cup, this thing. Yeah. So they were, were all the MLS teams in this cup, this race for the cup, and who exactly did they beat? And explain to me why it's such a historic thing. Sure. So if you look at timelines, you just pretend like a number line – the big number line on top is the MLS season. It goes to March to God, who knows when, you know, it goes forever. It goes to October, November. And then below it is a little one. That's the U S open cup. Every team in America is invited to play. Anybody can play in that uh, amateur pro, whatever. Yeah. Uh, the Sounders have won that. I believe four times that hasn't started yet this year, but it's a small competition, a long, long running competition in U S soccer. And then below it, is this other competition that you have to qualify for. And the Sounders qualified for the CONCACAF. CONCACAF. Champions League, yeah. CONCACAF. Confederation, yeah, Confederation of North, Central America, and Caribbean Association Football. Okay. All right? Okay. So it's our hemisphere. It's, it's Canada, U.S., Mexico, Central America, and the Caribbean. So it's the hemisphere. It's our regional massive tournament, and you have to qualify we qualified, and I say we because I, I you know, worked there long <laughs> enough. I say we. Yes. We qualified yeah. because we were in, we came in second place. We went to the finals versus Columbus a year and a half ago. So that pushes you in to the round of 16. And so you get to the round of 16 the next year when you are starting to play. And that's what Seattle did hit the round of 16, moved on, obviously quarterfinal, made it to this team. They played uh, Pumas, who's a very strong club out of Mexico City. And it's a big deal because at some point 
You're also playing your MLS season, so injuries might take a toll. Tired, being tired, you're traveling to crazy parts of the world. It's a massive, massive deal. And the closer they got, the funny thing is, the closer they got, MLS suspended a few of the games for the Sounders so they get a weekend off. You know, so the league was all behind it. They were absolutely yeah, behind it. Yeah, and yeah. The, the Sounders were rested up and had two legs. That's the other confusing thing. So they went to Mexico City the week before, 2-2 two, two draw, two Nicoladero penalty kicks, and came home. So it was 2-2. Two, two. It was all even after 90 minutes. And they went at it, and it was a Raul Ruiz Diaz, Nicolas Ladero show. I don't know exactly what you said, but okay, God bless you. Listen. Uh, oh, you're funny. Listen. Are they not in the midst as we record this of losing three straight MLS games? The Sounders? Uh yeah. So I, they I can't so. so they yeah, can't they're beat, not in great form, no. So, so they're they so let me they're not good enough to beat the MLS teams, but this this transcends that these teams are better that they beat okay, to win this so cup. Yes. On Saturday versus Dallas, they put out a B squad. They oh. didn't even fly. Um, oh. I don't believe Jordan Morris made the flight. Nico oh. Ladero didn't make the okay. flight. Raul okay. Rui Diaz didn't make the flight. So the Sounders are what we call a big club. They have they go 24, 25 deep with really 20 of those guys playing. So the guys that didn't get any minutes for these couple weeks, they played in Dallas. And, you know, the poor goalie, Stephen Cleveland, got <laughs> shelled. So... <laughs> You know, they, they rested all these players who were just absolutely, I mean, gutted, tired from, from 90 minutes of thrilling up and down, back and forth soccer on Wednesday. So they didn't even make the trip. So, yes, they'll turn it around. It is a, a long, they've been in the playoffs every year since their inception in 2009. So that's the goal, get back in the, get back in the playoffs. But they'll get, they'll write that ship. But, yes, they have a little losing streak because they rested players the week before. You don't want an injury to Jordan Morris or any of the big studs. They're two big guys, Nico and, and Raul. And so you're resting them and um, they've won the big trophy. So, you know, they'll be back, uh, back in action whenever they play next. What's the meaning of this and why is it so seismic? Does it necessarily mean that the U.S. US soccer is catching up to the rest of the world or is that an overstatement? No, it's catching up to the Mexican League. Liga okay. MX okay. has been far and away better than MLS. And um, I'll tell you why it's easy. Liga MX has big, big payrolls. They spend a ton of money on players. Uh, Players from MLS have gone down to, uh, to Mexico and played on the big clubs and made some money. And now not only through payroll and uh, different things, but the MLS is catching up to Liga MX. And that's what, that's what's reverberating through U.S. and Mexico is now Mexico's thinking, all right, when we play an MLS club, it's not a rollover. It's not a shoe-in. These teams that, that I believe Garth Lagaway, the president and GM of, of Seattle, he put together the best team in, in Seattle's history this year specifically for this, and it paid off. So the seismic result on Wednesday was because an MLS team beat a Mexican team when it counted, when it mattered most, that Seattle did it for the first time. Toronto made the finals one year. Salt Lake made the finals one year, didn't get, get, didn't get the win. But like I said, people woke up in England, Spain, Germany, hearing that Seattle Sounders, they won this cup. That, that was massive world news. And it puts the Sounders on a, that's, that's their goal is to be a global brand. I've heard that for years, a global brand. And this is, 
the major step. This is okay. the major step in doing so. Okay. Do they really have a 16-year-old on the team? Yeah, absolutely. And he played lights out. Wow. 16? He played lights out. Joao Paulo tore his ACL on Wednesday early in the match. The left back went down also. And when Joao Paulo went down, I said to my brother, uh, I said, yeah, this is, this is trouble. This is bad news. Obed Vargas came in and he, he played very well. He's playing in the center of the park and uh, he fit in. It, it was, it was a quite, mm. quite a performance by a 16 year old in front of 68,000. Mm. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm impressed. I don't know what we're talking about, but I, but I'm impressed. And I know a lot of people in our audience wanted to hear a segment. on talk stretchy. I got to be honest with you. I've got my eye on Group B of the 2022 World Cup, and in particular mm. that that England U.S. match the mm. day the day after Thanksgiving. You know anybody who's going to be at that match? Now we're talking. <laughs> now we're now now we've turned it up a notch. Here. <laughs> uh, my brother and I fly to Qatar on the Saturday after Thanksgiving, so I believe we'll see the last U.S. match. But we'll be there for about 13 days. We'll see the entire uh, round of 16, and we'll just bounce around. I mean, Qatar is the size of Connecticut, so we won't have trouble getting around the country. But, yeah, excited. That'll be my ninth World Cup. Started back in 94. It's a wonderful, wonderful tradition. You've you've done the great traveling sports traditions with your father. I'm doing it with my brother, who and I – he and I are very close friends. And it's it's thrilling. It's it's absolutely thrilling. We – Quick story. We were in Korea in 2002 and this older gentleman, he was not bragging at all, but he was telling us his experiences. And in 2002, it was his 10th World Cup. And he was telling us that he saw Pele play his first World Cup game in 1958. And Alan and I sit back at the trade and Alan looks at me and says, (laughs) I want to go to 10. And it was just like, yeah, all right, let's do it. And so we just kind of think we're always going to go and our little joke is that we're going to go until the other guy can't push the other guy in the wheelchair. Okay. That's when we're done. <laughs> when, we're, when we're all done, uh, we'll watch them on TV, but we are going until we cannot move. And then by then we'll have, you know, who knows, we'll have electric wheelchairs or whatever we have to do. So is, the assumption, so is the assumption that the U.S. team will actually be in the mix in the World Cup that they've now improved and they've caught up enough to be really in the mix or not? They can definitely, well, they're in the mix in this group. They should move. I believe they should move forward to the round of 16. They should beat Iran. England is up and down and up and down, but they should move into the round of 16. From there, it's a crap shoot. I mean, I believe the best was the uh, quarterfinals, semifinals in, in Korea, matter of fact. Yeah, this team, this team has got a lot of young talent, maybe little naive they don't they're not supposed to be nervous because they don't know they're supposed to be nervous and they've got a bunch of solid solid talent so i could see them maybe you know shocking someone and getting into the final eight sure Mm. absolutely it's very exciting time for u.s soccer they've they've kind of gotten rid of the whole group that was around and i don't mean to say landon donovan because he was a stud but michael bradley josie altador tim howard they're moved on from everybody clint dempsey so it's a whole new group uh, didn't make the World Cup last time and going with youth and things like that. And so now they brought it up. Coach Greg Berhalter is, you know, stuck with this 22 to 26 guys. And here they go. So, yes, I, I think they should make the round of 16. Absolutely. I think it would be a failure 
to not make the round of 16. We love you, Stretchy. I hope you have a great time with your brother. I know this has become a tradition. You met, you mentioned me and my father and our trips. I know that recently you lost your dad. You were very close. You were an incredible son. So I just want to wish you uh, all the condolences for me and everybody else on the loss of Big Al. How old was Big yeah. Al? How old was Big Al? Oh, I appreciate that, Mitch. Al was 82. He lived an amazing life. You know, he was just so impressive how he kept reinventing himself after my mom passed. After first, after he kind of after he retired, then my mom passed, and then when cancer was really was really taking his toll, he he still had his sense of humor. He needed to be at his appointments on time. Son, we gotta go. We gotta go. We we got an appointment coming. You know, he had to be on time. He was funny up until swear to God his his last few days of his life. He was funnier than hell, and it was a it was a privilege and an honor to take care of him, help him, and live with him. It was it was an honor. I, I truly feel fulfilled in the last couple of years spending it with him, and um, just great memories, great memories. I appreciate you saying that. We should all have sons like you, Stretch. You're an amazing oh, guy. You're an you. amazing guy. An amazing friend and an amazing son. Uh, Matt Stretch Johnson, the former play-by-play voice of the Seattle Sounders on what the Sounders accomplished in front of how many? 80, 70, 75,000? How many, how, many, how many were there? I wasn't there. Right I was, 68. Let's 68. just say 68. 68, okay. Uh, a record for a CONCACAF game. Okay. It, it was um, so loud. It was awesome. It Very was good. awesome. So 2-2 in the first game and then 3-0 in the second yep. game? Is that what happened? Okay. 3-0, scrappy first goal. By Raul Rui Diaz, the second goal was gorgeous, pretty. I, I'll get goosebumps if we talk about it. I mean, gorgeous buildup, uh, knocked the ball around in the box. Rui Diaz goes near post instead of far. And then Ladero takes one off the post from a Jordan Morris shot. Back of the net, 3-0. Place, place went nuts. Beautiful. Goosebumps have now arrived. Beautiful. Thank you, Stretchy. You're the best. Talk to you soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, Mitch. Time for a visit with Dan Black, the president of Zeke's Pizza. It's springtime at Zeke's. How you doing over there, Dan? Yeah. Hey, Mitch. Yeah. Springtime's fun because our patios are opening up. And so it's always fun to drink beer and eat pizza on a nice patio on a nice day. And so there's more of that going on all the time. And it's fun. Would you say that most of your locations have outdoor seating? Not most of our locations, but certainly most of our full service restaurants, which we call pizza pubs. So, you know, if you're going to a Zeke's that's got a full bar, spirits, craft beer, all that stuff, there's likely to be outdoor seating. And you guys continue to grow like a weed. We've talked about Spokane a little bit. We haven't spoken of Mill Creek, White Center coming soon, and and a couple of more. Tell us about those. Yeah, Spokane opened. We talked about that a little bit. Mill Creek opened and is doing well. White Center's coming up really soon. And then beyond that, we've actually got three more that are reasonably close. We've got Seward Park, Renton, and Duval in that order. And, you know, more deals coming all the time. And you're hearing from Mitch Unfiltered listeners I'm hearing through the grapevine? Yeah, that was pretty exciting. We, we've we actually got a couple of leads, no deals closed yet, but specifically that came from Mitch Unfiltered oh, and wow. heard about us there, which is obviously a huge stoker, but I'm a little bit worried that my invoices <laughs> are going to go up now. They are going to go up. They are going to go up. All right. I, think, I think that I've decided when I don't go with original cheese, like my mom's favorite, Cherry Bomb is my fave on the Zeke's Pizza menu. Where is it in, in the in the pecking order? Well, first, we still got to get your mom up here sometime and cut it into squares for her like she's used to it. Is it Camille's? You got it. Camille's. Yeah. yeah. Um, in Florida. 
but you're not alone on the cherry bomb. It's definitely one of my favorites and it's outside of cheese and pepperoni, probably the most popular one. And it's certainly the one people talk about the most. So yeah, cherry bomb is cannot go wrong with that one. What are you drinking these days from Zeke's? Yeah, this time of year, I kind of transition, you know, we order a lot for delivery and I, I use Zeke's for my grocery store for beer. We have better beer than you can get at the grocery store. So when I order, I just, I order enough for the next couple of weeks and stuff that I can throw in the cooler and stuff like that. I'm really excited for you guys. You've been a great partner back in the radio days and now with unfiltered Zeke's pizza homegrown in the Northwest. Unfiltered. Here's the give. Our next guest has spent the last three seasons as the assistant head coach and the running game coordinator. All things offensive line with the Michigan State Spartans, which makes him intimately familiar with the Seahawks' second-round draft choice, one of the greats of college football last year, the Doak Walker Award winner, the Walter Camp Award winner, Kenneth Walker the third coach, Chris Kapilovic, and I hope I pronounce it right. Co- coach Cap is with us on Mitch Unfiltered. How are you, Coach? Hey, I'm doing great. That's pretty good. Not, not many <laughs> people get it right the first time, but that, that was good. I'm doing great. Now, before we start about Kenneth Walker and Michigan State and the running back position, a little birdie told me that I'm supposed to ask you about the juice. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I you have to explain to me in our audience here in Seattle. What does the juice mean, Coach Cap? Hey, we're, we're the O line is the juice squad. <laughs> so we're talking about it, it, it's an everyday. It's a lifestyle. We have to bring the juice in everything we do. So that's kind of our mantra. It's kind of what we live by. And so you're going to hear juice all over the place and see juice squad hoodies and all that good stuff. So <laughs> so whoever the birdie was, that's that's who we are. That's what that's about. All right. Coach Cap, 1,636 yards, 18 touchdowns in his one and only season with you guys. Those are crazy numbers. Just speak overall about Kenneth Walker III. You call him Ken, the player, and the the person, Coach. You know, he's obviously a phenomenal player. He's got some some gifts with his vision, his ability to cut laterally, and his, his ability to go from zero to whatever, 60 as we would say with a car quickly as well. And, and his ability on film is easy to see, but it, it's really the, the person he is. He, he's a better person than he is a ball player. And from day one, when he got here, I mean, he's just a worker. He's a kid that you had to pull back in the weight room practices. We had to cut back reps at practices. Cause you know, we have those GPS units and his mile per hour and his uh, total load that he was doing on a daily basis was, was too much. And so we had to pull back a little bit and he wasn't afraid to get on special teams and do whatever it took to help the team. So you couldn't have asked for, for uh, what a blessing for us to get him in here. And, and the, the team accepted him right away. Cause he came in and he, he, he was all about work and they could see that and I respected that immediately. Now, of course you're going to say yes to the next question, but I'll ask it anyway. Do you like the Seahawks as a fit coach cap? Were there, NFL systems that fit Kenneth better than others in your estimation? That's a good question as far as I didn't look at it that way. And, you know, those teams spend a lot of money researching these guys and figuring out what's the best fit for them. Mm -hmm. The thing about Ken is, 
you know, he, he can do it all. So I really felt like whoever took him, he was going to fit the system well. You know, I've had running backs in the past that, you know, okay, he was, he was a guy that, you know, you only needed to run on the perimeter or he was a big one cut guy inside, but really Ken can do all of that. You know, he, he runs the wide zone stuff with great vision. He's physical inside when he needs to be. So, you know, it's really one of those things that I don't know if anybody could have gone wrong taking the chance. Up here, Coach, I think I mentioned this to you before we started the interview. Kenneth was the most controversial and debated pick of all the ones that the Seahawks made last weekend. But to be clear, the consternation was not really about Walker, the player, as much it was as it was about the value of of picking a running back early in the NFL draft these days. In this day and age of the NFL, what would you like to weigh in on the running back position and how it's been kind of devalued over the last 10 years in the NFL? You know, it has been an interesting trend. I think a lot of it's just about the, you know, how many years that each of those backs has in them with the amount of hits they take from the time they're in high school all the way up. But I'll tell you what, when you don't have – an explosive back with great vision and can make guys miss, you definitely uh, feel it and miss it. So that's the thing. He's a weapon. To me, his value is, is very high. And so what he brings to a team, I think, is, is worthy, was even worthy of a first-round pick. But I understand people don't want to take the backs that high. When I was at North Carolina, Gio Bernard, we had some other guys that I've coached that have gone in the drafts, and he was the first back taken high in a second round. I get why they're not taking him that early, but what he brings to the table the offensive weapon he is, I, he's definitely worth that and more. Everybody saw him run the ball if you watch college football. I watched the Michigan game. I watched the Miami game. I saw him in several games just dice up the opponents. How about uh, the other aspects of the position, Coach Cap? Pass blocking, getting out into the into the pass game, being a receiver in the pass game. What about those attributes? Yeah, he really does have good hands. We, we did not throw the ball to him as much with our system that we had in place for him, probably because we were too busy trying to hand it off to him in any way we could. But right. um, you saw him in his pro days and all his workouts. He has really good hands, can run good routes. He's an intelligent kid. Pass pro probably is the one thing people talked about that he needs to work on the most. And I've seen him in practice on a daily basis, be physical, picking up blitzes and doing what he needs to do. So I, I don't think that's going to be a problem for him. We didn't ask him to do a lot of those things at times. But uh, he's very capable of all of that. Coach Cap, his story has been well chronicled. He's a Memphis native. He was a Kent State verbal commit early, changed to Wake Forest, played a couple of years there, then to the transfer portal and to you guys at Michigan State. I saw in one article that there were like 150 running backs, Coach, ranked ahead of him in the 2019 <laughs> high school class. Did recruiters just miss or did he change? Or both? You know, it's probably a little bit of both. I, I'll tell you, as much time as we spend studying these kids and, and recruiting, you know, we make mistakes just like the NFL, the amount of money and time they put into scouting these guys. It's Sometimes, I'll tell you, it's hard to measure somebody's heart. And he obviously had some ability, and, and it didn't show through in high school. But the work ethic and the heart he has combined with the ability he has obviously kind of exploded on the scene. He, and he had a nice career at Wake Forest, but, you know, he wasn't the feature guy. And then once he got in that position, then obviously we saw what happened and he just exploded. So, you know, not, it's not very often somebody, you know, is under the radar with his ability, but it happens. And, and a lot of it, again, 
you know, he's just a guy with a chip on his shoulder. You know, he's just going to work that way, and that's the way he feels about everything he does. And then his decision to leave Wake, was the competition tight to get him to East Lansing? Uh, and what would have become of him, do you think, if he either stayed at Wake or went somewhere else? I guess that's a hard question to answer. <laughs> yeah, that is a hard one to answer. You know, for all those future guys out there who want to say coming to Michigan State was obviously the best thing he's done. <laughs> and <laughs> But uh, you could see the, the productivity he had at Wake Forest. Their system's a little different if you've ever watched them play before. It's a system where that quarterback really rides the back for a long time before he makes a decision right. to hand it off right. or to throw an RPO. And, you know, Ken really wanted that opportunity to be in a system where you can give the ball to his hands quickly and let him work. He jumped in the portal, and, and it's all about relationships. You know, I worked at the University of North Carolina for seven years, and I just happened to know somebody in the Charlotte area that was a family friend reached out to me wow. and said, hey, you, you guys need a running back. And we said, as a matter of fact, we do because we were looking at a bunch of them. And we looked at his tape and was like, yeah, this guy can help us. And it really happened fairly quick. He got on the phone with him and they got on the phone with Coach Tuck and our OC and our running back coach. Mm -hmm. And it was done within probably inside a week. So it's an unbelievable story and obviously huge for us. And it worked out great for everyone involved. I talked to a, um, a college football coach, an assistant coach who was aware of Ken. And he mentioned what you talked about at the top. He said that when you watch him, there's a vision there's a processing that goes along with him, an innate processing that kind of slows slows the play down, slows the action down. He sees everything a lot slower than everybody else, which is a good thing. Would you say that's his best quality? It, it, it's it's one of the top qualities. You know, it's he sees stuff that, that we don't see. You know, he's that back that you're like, wow. you're watching the play and you're like, oh, well, hell, he didn't go to the hole. And then he makes a cut, and the next thing you know, it's 60 yards down the field. And you're like, well, okay then. With him, you don't say anything. You know, here's the design <laughs> of the play, but when Ken sees something, just take it. And that's just what he does. You know, he just – he has tremendous vision. Like, And it's not even at the line of scrimmage. It's at the second and third level. I think he was – he may have been first or second in the country with, with uh, broken tackles or making people miss. And it's, it's really – it's phenomenal. I, I haven't seen much. In my time, I haven't seen many guys that can do something like that. So that's definitely a part of it. He was number one, by the way, number one in the country with yards after the initial contact, number one at Michigan State. Wow. And, and and by the way, the 40 time at the Combine, I think, surprised a lot of people. Coach, 4.38, a 4.38 40. I think there were a lot of people didn't think didn't think he was that fast. Yeah, I've heard I've heard people say that he's not a home run guy. Uh, he's not a, you know, take it to the house guy. And then I'm looking and saying, okay, so he has the longest touchdown in the school history at, at Michigan state. 94. He has the longest touchdown in school history at wake forest. <laughs> I've seen him first play of the season for us, 75 yards to the house. You know, and he's got some fast guys chasing him. you know, in the big 10, the ACC. So we, we knew what he was capable of, but I'll, I'll be honest. I wasn't sure he was going to pop a four, three, eight. You know, I thought, Hey, get under a four five would be great. But that just, again, just shows his, his determination, his work ethic, and what he's going to bring to Seattle. Fantastic. It's great to visit with you, Coach Cap. How are you going to replace that guy in your lineup? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's that's the thing we've already caught. You, you know, we're recruiting guys. We say, listen, we can't compare everybody to Ken. So we got a couple we got a couple guys coming in that, that uh, have had some pretty good careers at other places that I think are going to help us. But I don't know. I, I feel like Ken, he might be a generational talent. I don't know if I'll see another one like him. Well, congratulations to you on the season that you had. You got Coach Tucker a big contract. I hope he's taking care of you guys 
And I wish you guys nothing but the best. We'll we'll take care of Kenneth Walker for you up here in Seattle. Thanks for being on Mitch Unfiltered. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, wish everybody the best there. And, and Ken, obviously, take care. It's time to check back in with John Waterstrat of Fireside Home Solutions. He's back with us. Fireplaces, garage doors, you name it. How goes it over there, John? It's doing great. Uh, we've had to get through this mucky weather like you know, Mitch, but it uh, <laughs> looks like the sun's popping back out. Things are starting to shine a little bit more. Like everywhere else, you and I have been talking about the wait times for non-stock orders because of the shipping issue that everybody has. Are you seeing any improvement on that end? We definitely have seen some improvement. I can't say it's going to be quick, but uh, it has improved. And uh, our manufacturers have done a wonderful job of just looking at their processes, looking at what we're going through right now, these shortages, and and doing a good job to get lead times down. And what do you think they are? Uh, Sometimes it depends. Like I said, we always have the stock list, and we can talk about that. But uh, we also have some things that are on longer lead times. But instead of waiting 30 weeks, we've kind of shrunk that down maybe to 18 to 20 weeks. Mm -hmm. Like I said, it's not short, but it's gotten better. But there's always that option of purchasing and installing a unit that's in your inventory, which is what we did here at the Levy household. So let's walk through that for a second. The Fireside Home Solutions team comes to your home free of charge. They look at your space, analyze and listen to your needs. Then we visit one of your many showrooms in the Pacific Northwest. Yep. Just talk to your sales rep. We'll come out to your house. We'll look at what you want and then just let your sales rep know. Is it speed that you need? If you need that, we'll get the stock list together. We'll find something that works and we can get that installed in about three weeks. If you have some time, let us know and we can get exactly what you want. And we just have to be patient, just like in any any order that we're talking about with these longer lead times. Perfect. A few years ago, you guys wandered into the garage door market too. How's that been going? Because I'm hearing about some exciting things coming down the line. Yeah, it's been great. We've continued to grow that business. And uh, here in the fall, we're going to go ahead and open a showroom in Tacoma. It's going to help the South Sound areas. And it's going to be really nice to be able to have Bellevue, Auburn, and Tacoma and just be able to help those customers in Pacific Northwest. That's awesome. Now, before you go, you have to tell our audience where you were for the first time in the middle of April and what you thought. Oh, I got to have that bucket list checked off and I was able to get to Augusta. Pretty awesome. Awesome to watch Scotty Seffler uh, hit some great shots, but the course is just a special place. Well, I'll say it then. We love Fireside Home Solutions, a tradition unlike any other, and a great partner of Mitch Unfiltered. Unfiltered. I have confirmed is playing an 18-hole practice round at Southern Hills Country Club in Tulsa, Oklahoma. He will not be using a card. He is going to walk all 18 holes. And caddying for him will not be his regular caddy, Joe LaCava. Instead, it will be Kerry Cosby, who is the head professional there at Southern Hills. So what's it like to get a call and somewhat suddenly be spending the day with Tiger Woods? As everyone in the golfing world knows, the next major championship later this month, the PGA Championship, will be staged at the storied Southern Hills Country Club in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It'll be the site's eighth major, I believe. And Carrie Cosby is the director of golf and had the most memorable of days. And you didn't even hit one shot. Nothing close to the pin. Nothing stiff, right, Carrie? That, that's that's correct. I did. It's the best day of golf without hitting a shot ever. <laughs> that's for sure. No question. So as the story goes, and I'll just kind of throw you the ball and be a listener. Okay. The PGA, the PGA of America alerts you 
not to anybody's surprise, the Tiger wants to come a few weeks back right. on a Thursday, and you're you're sworn to secrecy. Tell us about that phone call and what came about. Right. So I just was uh, just normal stuff here going on. We're, the final preps are happening, as you would guess, for yep. the for the PGA in a couple of weeks or less than two weeks now. And got a call from uh, one of the guys at the PGA and he said, hey, Tiger's on his way to Tiger Jam in Vegas, and we'd like to swing through Tulsa and play a practice round, see the see the change in the golf course since he was last time he was here on property was the final round of the 07 PGA, which he won. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'd like you to run point uh, for this and get you connected with his folks. And we have a PGA staff member that's on, that's on property, been here for about three years, Brian Carnes. So he was in on the loop. And, uh, and then I, obviously our general manager, Nick Sidorkis, we, the three of us had, you know, had a handshake that's not going to get out because of us. I sure wasn't <laughs> going to let it get out. And so, in fact, I got in a little trouble at the house. Uh, <laughs> my wife wasn't real happy with me when I didn't, I told her the night before and she was initially was like mad that I didn't tell her. And I was like, yeah, I just didn't want you to be burdened with it. It's, you know, we can't let it get out. And the next morning, she goes, yeah, I'm glad you didn't tell me. There's no way I could keep that a secret for a week. So they connected us with Rob McNamara, Tiger's vice president, I think, of TGR Ventures, but also a very close friend of his. Yeah. Uh, it was just watching it. Obviously, they're very tight. Here's when we're going to land and love to do this. And if we get a couple guys just to carry the bags for us, that'd be great. And uh, just going to want to play. And then he's going to jump on a plane and head back, head out to Vegas for the for the festivities of the Tiger Jam and all the things they do. So. I said, hey, I'm a huge fan and would love to carry his bag if that if that'd work and, and uh, I can get somebody to carry your bag or my son. He goes, I'd, we'd, that'd be great. Have your son do it. And uh, basically the same age as Tiger's son, Charlie. And so away we went. I didn't tell my son until the morning, about two hours before he got here. <laughs> just so he did. I didn't want him telling all of his buddies or doing any of that other stuff too. So I just said, hey, PGA Junior League is this really cool initiative that the, that the PGA of America's had going for a few years and my son just happened to play on team Oklahoma last fall in the national championship out at Greyhawk and Scottsdale. And they were coming in the PJ was doing a filming, a promo with team Oklahoma, Cameron young, the real stud uh, rookie for out of New York. The yep. dad's a pro at yep. sleepy hollow. And yep. they were here in our golf performance center. Little did, little they, did they know that the real big cat was going to be, <laughs> you know, coming down the fairway there. And so, that's great. I pulled my kid in about 10. I pulled him in the office down here. And I said, Hey, have you seen these, these things on social media? He said, no. And I said, he goes, is, is Tiger Woods coming today? And I said, yeah. And I said, you know what else he's going to do? And he goes, I go, what's that? And he goes, he goes, I go, we're going to caddy for him. And he like fell on his knees <laughs> and put his hands over his face. And, and I said, I'm going to, I'm going to carry for him and you're going to carry for his best buddy, Rob. Oh. And, uh, oh. and he's like, are you, and, and so we had uh, 18 holes and nice. Wow. Uh, as you would guess the, the circus that what a different, uh, you know, I love him for what he's done in the game and all of his accomplishments and, and what it does for the business of the game and all that. But man, I wish he, I wish people didn't have to follow him everywhere he went like that. <laughs> before you get to that, before uh, you get crazy. to crazy, you talked about, and I read a few of your interviews. Uh, first of all, we should mention that your your son's name is Banks, right? Correct, correct. And he's the same age as Charlie, and he fell right. to his knees when he found out that he'd be walking with Tiger Woods. And yet, at 13 years old, some of us might, you know, not do the math real quickly. He he doesn't remember. He has no memory of Tiger Woods no. when Tiger Woods was Tiger no. Woods, right? 
Right. No, no. He, he saw him win, obviously, in 2019. Yes. The Masters. And he saw the 28. He saw what happened walking down the 18th fairway at Eastlake. The things I've talked to him about is just, I think, inside all the numbers of Tiger Woods is, is the, the grit and the heart and the fight and the work ethic. And the, he had $90 million in the bank before he even pegged it. He did it to win. He's a pretty aware kid for 13, but he's still 13, yeah. right? So I think as he gets older, he'll probably appreciate it even more. And, and I told him, I said, hey, here's how the day's going to go. I said, they're going to roll in. He's going to hit a few balls. He won't go in the clubhouse. They're going to go to the first tee. Everybody shake hands. And I said, they may not want to talk at all. They may talk all day or anything in between, but you do the caddy rule, show up, keep up and shut up. And, <laughs> and, and, uh, and we're going to, and we're going to make sure. And then the one thing we can do is we can watch intently with every single move he makes yeah. every shot, every chip, every pitch, every putt, everything he's looking at on the golf course. Um, he, he remembered every club that he hit in 2007. And I said, just watch it as you, as a, as a, as a kid that loves to play golf and me as a golf professional, I, I want to learn. And he and Rob and, and Chris, his, his CFO of his company, couldn't have been any cooler than they were. They were just awesome. They were awesome to Banks. They talked about junior golf tours. They talked about, you know, he, he looked at Banks. He goes, you're 13. <laughs> He's about six feet tall. He goes, I got a 13-year-old. He doesn't look near that size. <laughs> he doesn't look near your size. And so he he was just he was just awesome. It's almost a surreal day. It really yeah, was. Yeah. So you said he he arrives on the property. He skips the clubhouse because he knows that might create a circus. He goes straight to right. the range, hits a few balls onto the first tee. I remember when I introduced him at a tournament here in the Seattle area many many years ago. In the prime of his career, he walked up to me before I introduced him in the first tee, and he put his hand out and he said, "I'm Tiger Woods." Like like I wouldn't know who he was. Did yeah, he yeah that, no shit or no kidding. That's right. Yeah. Is that how he, yeah, he did the same thing? Yeah. That's exactly right. We walked out the range and he goes, Hey tiger. And I was like, yeah, no kidding. The, uh, but he, you know, he's got to be polite in that regard. But, yes. uh, yeah, so we took a cart down to him on the range. It's probably, I don't know, 200 yards away from the 300 yards away from the first tee. And I said, Hey, I'm going to go up and grab a couple of yardies books out of the, out of the shop. We'll meet you on the first tee. Rob texted when they pulled in the gate. Of course, we knew when they got in the gate. So we drove a cart down there, drove back up, and I walked out of the pro shop, and Golf Channel was reporting that, that Tiger Woods was wow. on property at Southern Hills. And he'd probably been here eight minutes. Gosh. I mean, it's just amazing, right? Uh, how, how did, it's like the Rolling uh, Stones. It's like the Beatles, for God's it, sake. Right, it's the Stones, it's the Beatles, it's Elvis. I mean, it's... It's, it's unbelievable. Uh, Before we get to his game, and I know you have a lot to say about his the way he was swinging it and how good he looked. Right. But but you started to go down the road, and I want you to pick up there, uh, the, the circus. Before he plays a couple of holes, you're starting to see helicopters. Yeah. Describe what it was like as people started, as as the as the rumors started to spread that Tiger Woods is on the golf course. <laughs> right. So, and I, I didn't tell our staff until 9.30 that morning. So I said, hey, this is going to happen. Our superintendent told his staff. This is going to happen. Our GM told the kind of the F and B staff, this is what's going to happen. And no social media posts, no any of that stuff. Clubhouse sits up on a hill and you couldn't go walk with him or anything like that. But, but the first tee, if you fell off the roof of the pro shop, you'd land on the first tee. So it's right there. And he comes up on the first tee and there's probably 25 or 30 members standing on the patio of the first tee at the pro shop, all watching him. 
we tee off on two. And you know, when you, when you go to like a sporting event, especially a big one, like the helicopters, like, you know, you're tailgating at a, at a football game or something and you, uh, and, and the helicopters are flying around and the, and the small planes and all the stuff, you're like, okay, there's something, it's getting ready to go. We tee off on two and we're, we're walking down the second fairway and uh, the helicopter from one of the news stations flying around. Mm-hmm. I thought, oh my gosh. So I go, I said, Banks, I said, see a helicopter? He, he, you know, he's 13. He doesn't know any of that stuff. And I said, um, that's, their, that's a news station. He goes, what are they doing? I said, they're fil- trying to film Tiger. He's, are you kidding me? And I said, no. So we play down two and the news, the, the helicopter's hovering around the club, play up three and four, four goes back up towards the clubhouse on the hill. By then there's 50, 75 people or so up on the hillside yeah. watching him play. Tees off on five. We go down, tee off on six, and the six kind of butts up to the north side of the property, hits this great shot, and we're walking down across the, this bridge onto the sixth, sixth green, and somebody yells, we love you, Tiger, or good shot, Tiger, or all of the above. And he goes, are there guys in the bushes over there? And there were dudes lined up in the in the shrubs on the on the property fence. There's a television camera. There were phones out. One of the guys from Channel Two, he's he had climbed a tree and was sitting in kind of a wedge of a branch filming it. <laughs> now, now is Tiger acknowledging like if it were Phil Mickelson? And I don't mean to get into that, but if, if yeah, it were right, Phil, right. he'd be waving and smiling and thumbs up. And I get the feeling that Tiger's all business. He's there to do something, he, and he's probably not even acknowledging the people that are yelling, "We love you, Tiger." Or is he? No, he no, he was great. He, he I think I agree with you. Back in the day when he was, he was all he he does have an ability. Just watching it to just like zip right into a bubble. I think his ability to concentrate and block everything out is is maybe better than any athlete of any sport ever. I mean, it's it's remarkable. But he waved to him and had flashed that big smile and. And, uh, when he saw the guys in the bushes and he's like, God, I'm not sure I'm, where can I even go to the bathroom? You know? And, uh, so we kind of laughed about that. So well, after number eight, there's a restroom over there in the trees and he started laughing, but, um, no, he was great. And when we came up to make the turn, the tents, he sets up again by the clubhouse. And, and, uh, there was now, of course, there's more people at this point. And he hits a three wood right down the middle and he hits a driver just short of this Creek he hits both of them. Great. And nobody does anything, right? Say there's 75 people sitting there 20 feet from him. Mm-hmm. And uh, I go, kind of a tough crowd. Those, I thought those were pretty good shots. <laughs> I was kind of laughing. And he goes, yeah. He goes, I guess that's not good enough. And everybody started clapping and cheering and go Tiger. And he tipped his hat real funny, kind of a deal there. And started dying laughing and walked down the stairs to the 10th fairway. And yeah. So he, he, was, he was great. Mm. Every single dude stopped in their tracks and watched him. It was Incredible. unbelievable. How about moments? I've read a few tidbits. Did he not take out the infamous putter and uh, and give it to Banks and let him putt one on 17 he, or something like he, that? He did. And so let me tell you, as a fan, that first hole, taking that putter cover off, actually every hole, all 18 holes, taking the putter cover off. I didn't ever take my phone out and take it. I, took, I, I told you that. I took one picture during the day. I, uh, on the 14th, I'll get to the putter, which was – I should have taken a picture then. They probably wouldn't have cared. But – on 14, I went to throw a, a water bottle in the trash. I looked up, and Tiger and Banks are side-by-side side walking down, obviously having a conversation about something, and Rob and Chris are 15 yards to their left. And so I had to pull my phone out there and take, that a, picture. take a quick saw, pick. It's a great shot. Yeah, I, I, mean, I saw that picture. It's awesome. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, and you got you got to have that one. And then 
on 17, I was standing talking to Chris on the right side of the green and there we'd put a couple of tees down where some holes might be. And, and he was on the left side of the green. And again, I, you know, I told Banks, I, we're just going to watch it. He was just over there watching him putt. Right. And he goes, all right, Rob, five bucks to the tee closest to the pro. And, uh, he goes, Banks, you got to get in this too, but you can't use Rob's two ball. You got to use, you got to use my putter. And I, when I heard him say that I should have, do you mind if I take a video or a picture of that just you know holding the greatest club in the history of the game so they both putt and then and then banks starts to putt he, he putts cross-handed right yeah and he goes banks he goes nobody's ever grabbed my use my putter cross-handed <laughs> you know and he kind of just messing with him and and uh banks kind of looks at him like oh shit you know? <laughs> looking at him and sorry and uh, he goes, no, no, dude, I'm just messing with you. I'm just messing with you. So <laughs> it was a great moment. Started laughing. Banks rolled a nice putt up there a couple of feet from the tee. And he gave him a compliment for doing that without having to practice any. And, and uh, but, to, you know, to hold the greatest club in the history of the game, in my mind, you know, 13 majors and 70 something wins, uh, whatever it is, you know, it's kind of like the, uh, the natural, you know, the wonder boy bat, you know, you're kind of holding the, you're holding that piece That's of, awesome. Of history in your hand and so it was nerve-wracking just holding it carrie i'll ask you um obviously at the time of this recording we still don't know confirmation i think everybody thinks he's going to play right i'll ask you the question and our audience is going to like say of course what do you think he's going to say mitch i'll ask you how he played i'll ask you how he hit it uh, how straight he was how he chipped how he putted Give us a thought. You of bet. course, yeah, you're, well, you're, you're going to say what you're going to say, but go ahead. Right, right. So he hit it great. Uh, he didn't miss a shot the entire day left of a target, not once. You know, so if you can eliminate the one side of the golf course, sure. preferably the left side, sure. it's a it's a much easier game. Uh, his irons, he hit a one heavy iron shot on the ninth hole. He had misjudged the wind on four. And misjudged the wind a little bit on 10 or maybe the uphill slope. And he hit one shot that wasn't right on the face and he hits it so flush. And that's, that's the thing you always hear is just the sound. It sounds different. And, but every, every shot, every time I clean the club right in the middle of the face. And, uh, if he hit a the driver would every once in a while, he hit one, just leak it in the right rough and the three wood and five wood are lethal weapons. He, he hit those through any window and never missed one of those shots the entire day watching him pitch it, you know, he dropped three balls down. He hit it three different heights, all to the same, same result. Based on what I saw, it certainly looked like a business trip. He was putting and pitching to a bunch of different hole locations. Ask a lot of questions about angles. He was angles. Asking, yeah. yeah. So he was, he was, he was just trying to, you know, you, you have to start every sentence with, I think, because <laughs> I mean, what am I going to, what am I going to tell Tiger Woods? Right. I mean, I, I can't tell this guy anything other than the yardage. The thing that really struck me was just the, the sound of it and how solid the iron shots were, but just the different heights he could hit. And it didn't look like he changed his setup to do it. Carrie, how did the, uh, how'd the leg look? How was the walk? How did he, um, how did he look coming up 17 and 18? Was he sore? Was he, he limping? He, he looks, he looks, he didn't, he didn't make one mention of it, but he looks like he's in pain walking and he doesn't look like he's in pain hitting shots, but the last few holes, he did look like he was maybe limping a little bit more. Uh, he, he played up 18 and 18 straight uphill, you know, right up to the clubhouse. And there, at this point, there's probably, I don't know, 150 or 200 people up there. And we had some shuttle cars down on the, to the side of the green to give him a, give everybody right up the hill. And, uh, he waved everybody, took his hat off, waved both hands to everybody, 
there's a bunch of kids sitting on a retaining wall. He signed a bunch of white hats on the way to the car and then jumped in the car and was van loosed out of there. So he was, he was in and out and just, he signed a glove to banks, threw a ball in there and shook his hand, gave him, you know, gave him big knuckles and told him to keep working at it. And, uh, and then away we went, but, um, just listen to his interviews, you know, previously, I think he's going to deal with pain the rest of his life. Sounds like an unbelievable day for you and your son. Unbelievable. No, it, it, it was, it, it was really special. And I did, even as a, as a guy that follows, follows him and follows everything in golf, I didn't fully understand the wake left behind him, but just the, the phone calls. And I bet I had 500 texts that night just wow, from friends and family and, and, you're like, holy cow. Yeah. You think you're going to get Phil defending or not? Gosh, I have no idea on that one. I hope he does. I had the privilege of getting my teeth kicked in for four years in college by him. So I'd love to see him, you know, <laughs> come here and defend the, defend the championship and be part of it. But, but there's, there's a lot going on in there that I don't know much about. So I don't know near enough as I should be able to comment on it. That's for sure. Well, I wish you all the best, Carrie. I wish the club all the best, all the members all the best. It's going to be a great spectacle. It always is at Southern Hills. Kerry Cosby, you, the sir. director of golf of uh, Southern Hills Country Club, host of the PGA Championship. It'll be the eighth major that's played at those hollowed grounds. Thank you so much, Kerry. Thank great you. Great to have you on Good the to show. be on with you. Great to have you. Yes, sir. Thank you. Together again with my good friend, Lindsey Schwartz, CEO, Daniels Broiler. How are you, Lindsey? And did the handicap go up, down, or stay the same on your recent golf trip to Palm Springs? Well, I'm doing great, Mitch. I wish I could say the handicap came down, but but I can't say that. But I'm going to blame it on on the weather. A Seattle guy like me is not used to playing in, in 100 degrees plus, so uh, that's what you get. Uh, a few shows ago, you claimed that Mother's Day was your top-ranked Sunday of the year. Did it live up to the hype? Unlike your beloved USC football team? <laughs> well, laugh all you can about USC, because I don't know you'll be able to joke about that uh, moving forward. But Mother's Day, yeah, it always lives up to the hype. Never fails to deliver. We had a fantastic day. All the moms that came and celebrated with us had a great time. It was a lot of fun. Daniel's Broiler star busser, Max Levy, has been raving about the South Lake Union patio remodel, but he was concerned that you guys wouldn't have it finished for Mother's Day. What's the story behind the, the deck there at South Lake Union? Well, I'm excited, too, that we got it done in time for Mother's Day. And there is a backstory. We were not sure for the last few years whether we were going to be able to extend our lease in that location. Even though we've been there for so long, the developer, Vulcan, was looking at redeveloping that. And uh, the plan was for us to come back in if they had tore it down and rebuilt. But fortunately for us, they decided to leave it as is, which means that uh, we get to stay. We just signed a new 10-year lease there, which we're really excited about. And now we're working together with them to get some maintenance done on the inside, the outside, including the decks. And uh, the space is going to look better than ever. What's the history of that location, Lindsay? Well, we've operated it as Daniel's since 2000, but old guys like you and me may remember that we had a restaurant there prior to that called Benjamin's. Benjamin's yes. on Lake Union opened in the 80s, and that had a, a nice long run, and that was a popular concept uh, before we changed it to Daniel's. Yes, I remember Benjamin's well. It's where George Carl came at me strong. It was a very ugly incident at Benjamin's. I was thinking about suing the owners, but I decided to let you guys off the hook. Yeah, probably better to sue him. He has deeper pockets. <laughs> so uh, you made the right choice of not coming after us. Well, Father's Day is June 19th. We love special occasions at Daniel's Broiler. And of course, way back to the radio days, Daniel's Broiler has been a terrific partner of mine for a lot 
of years. Daniel's Broiler world-class steakhouses. Unfiltered. We got breaking news out of the world of college basketball. It is official. Jay Wright is retiring as the head coach of Villanova. Wright has been weighing his retirement for months now and informed the team of his decision on Wednesday evening. The Hall of Fame head coach won two national titles during his 21-year run with the Wildcats. So we all knew that Coach K was leaving. Everyone knew. But the Jay Wright announcement took many of us by surprise. One has to wonder... Is the new age of name, image, and likeness and transfer portals sending some of our sideline stars to retirement earlier than expected? You can read our next guest's work in the sporting news for a lot of years. I don't want to date him. You can see him on the Big Ten Network during college hoops season. He's our old friend, Mike DeCourcy. Hiya, Mike. Mitch, how are you doing? We're doing well. How surprised, if at all, were you that Jay Wright stepped away in the weeks after the NCAA tournament? Yeah, absolutely stunned. I think that's a fair way to put it. I had no idea it was coming, although apparently it was brewing for more than a month. He, I, I, I had no reason to believe that he was going to get out. He had just really reached the point where I believed he was the best coach in college basketball in the way that uh, there was a point where Jack Nicholas was still capable of winning the Masters, but he was no longer the best golfer on the tour. I think that's where we were with Coach K, still capable of winning it all and still great, but not the best at that point. Uh, that that mantle had been inherited by Jay Wright, and he gave it away almost as quickly as he got it. I think Bill Self said, okay, you don't want it, I'll take it. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I, I think that's where we are now. Uh, it, it, Jay's shocking decision. I, I understand it now based on the way he's explained it. Hey, if I were sitting there, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a couple of years older than Jay is. If I were sitting there having made $6 million a year for the last three years and I were working basically 360 days a year, maybe four or five days off that whole year. Yeah. Yeah. I'd probably be interested in sitting on that money for a while, too. You called him basketball's best coach, which is interesting. You also compared him to Tom Hanks in a recent piece, which I loved. And as I was reading it, I, I, I had a couple of thoughts. First of all, what a casual observer, you call him the best coach in America, would a casual observer even immediately think of him in the group of self, Izzo, Coach K? I almost feel like he might get lost in the shuffle. Uh, and, and the other thing is the reason why you compared him to Hanks is because there's a likability to him I mean, the, the, all those guys are popular, and a lot of people like Kay and Self and Izzo, but there's just a, there's just an every man's man to him that I can't really articulate. Maybe you can help me do so. Yeah, you know, first of all, I like all those guys. Uh, they're they're great to me. They're great to deal with. They're pleasant to be around. And Jay certainly, what made Jay special was that it maybe just wasn't just me or just a, a smaller group. And, and I think that's true. A lot of the people that you mentioned as well, but I think Jay it went a little further with him than with a lot of people. And I just, I've never met anybody who didn't either like him or have a great experience when encountering him. It's just really hard to find people that have anything bad to say about Jay Wright. And I think that's mm -hmm. kind of what separates him from most and, I, and that's why I did compare him to Tom Hanks, because you hear coming out of Hollywood the same kinds of stories in a, in a business where 
it's often very difficult to find universally liked people. That's someone uh, Tom Hanks is someone that, about whom that generally is said. There were whispers. I mentioned this at the top, Mike, whispers that Wright is one of the many that just didn't want to deal with the whole NIL transfer portal. Are you buying it? Because if you are, he could have gone to the NBA. There are a lot of NBA teams that would love to have Jay Wright as their coach, but he has said categorically, no, I'm not interested in the NBA. Do you think NIL and transfer portals and the new way of coaching had anything to do with any of this? I don't think really, no. I, I, I think that, first of all, one must understand that he's had very few players transfer out of his program. He's had very few transfer in. Uh, Caleb Daniels, who was an important player on this year's Final Four team, came from Tulane. There was a family connection, Baker Dunleavy, who uh, once was a Jay Wright assistant, also was the son of Mike Dunleavy, who'd recruited Caleb to Tulane. And then when Mike uh, left there, uh, Caleb thought maybe there was another place and that got all uh, set up that way. And so he, he's been in that space very little. Name, image and likeness. I don't think that's a big hassle for a coach. It, it, it can be, I suppose, if you have to if you have to recruit that way. But I don't think Jay needs to recruit that way. I'm not saying that he would stand in anybody's way in terms of getting uh, an NIL deal, uh, but he didn't have to do the kinds of things that some of the programs are doing in order to get players. But first of all, he wasn't competing generally for the top 10, 15, 20 players. He was very comfortable continuing to recruit guys who were willing to invest in their program and do it for however long it took before they were professional, legitimate professional prospects. So I, I don't think that's what's at issue here. And, and I reject any attempt to categorize him in the same space with Mike Krzyzewski and Roy Williams leaving when they left. Those two gentlemen were over 70 years old. Yeah. Retiring with a huge bag at over 70 is not abnormal. It's abnormal to wait to 70 yeah. when you've got the huge bag. Right. So right. I, I thought I, I find that to be sort of intellectually dishonest conversation, to be frank with you. I don't agree with that at all. It just happened that my, you know, I, I will say that if you wanted to loop them together, I think the pandemic wore on every coach. And that year was very hard, harder for those that didn't like Scott Drew win the national championship, but very hard for everybody. And I, I, if you want to say that those guys all hit the wall at the same time because of that, yeah, I could see that okay. 100%. Okay. While we're on the topic of name, image, and likeness, it seems to me in the early going of this, now you may disagree and you're more than welcome to, that it's been much more spotlighted in football than in college basketball. I don't feel like we've heard, like we're hearing about the guy here in Seattle that's going to Oregon because of the collective and all this. I don't feel like we're hearing about the number one high school player, basketball player in the country, say, going to Oregon because Phil Knight and his boosters collective have guaranteed him a lot of name, image, and likeness. A, do you agree with that? And why aren't we hearing that as much? Maybe you guys underneath the surface are hearing that with these college high school basketball players. Well, I think, first of all, you have to remember, players like... Uh, like Caleb Love at North Carolina and Armando Baycott at North Carolina and especially Oscar Shibwe at Kentucky are all coming back to college basketball in an environment 
because of NIL. Okay. It wouldn't have been the case a year ago or okay. well, two, two years ago. I think some guys came back last year with the promise it was going to happen, although they didn't have the reality of it. I think there were a few that did that. But this year, we're seeing more and more players come back to college basketball because it's there. And you see, you'll still see right now, like Drew Timmy's in the draft, okay? Um, and if someone said to him, okay, we're going to pick you first round, he'll go, he'll go. But I don't expect anybody's going to say that. And I think the door to him going back to Gonzaga is open for the reason that he is very likely to make more money as a college basketball player, as a prominent college basketball player, two-time All-American, Final Four participant, the whole deal, he'll make more with that on his resume than he would playing in the G League. I mean, Nigel Pack, who was the, one of the top transfers in the portal at Kansas State. I, Mitch, you could have gone to any, you could have gone to Arizona, Indiana, uh, Providence, somewhere where there were lots of people in the gym who loved college hoops on a February night and said, who's Nigel Pack? Who's the best player at Kansas State? Nobody would have been able to answer that question in, in those three gyms. Now, at Kansas and K-State, okay, yeah, they know who he is. But Miami, the University of Miami just signed him. And at the same time, it was announced that he was getting an NIL deal for $800,000 over two years, wow. four hundred grand a year, wow. and a car. Wow. So that's happening. And okay. as I and, and, and he's not even like, he's not like a big time famous. I played in the tournament final four, et cetera, college basketball player. He's just really good. And Miami wanted him. And this booster that runs a medical type company uh, signed him to this NIL deal. And now he's a hurricane. So that's out there as well. I'm assuming that's out there for this freshman of the year in the big 12, a Iowa state, uh, the guard who's going to go somewhere. He's uh, apparently contemplating Gonzaga, Amongst others, I'm assuming the NIL deal that's awaiting him wherever he goes is a big factor in all of this. Yeah, I think no question. I, I also think he wants to play at the highest level. Uh, and I don't mean in the highest league, which he already was at Iowa State, but I think he wants to play on a team that can yeah. contend for a national championship. Yeah. And, and I think he wants to be a part of that. And I don't think that was likely to happen at Iowa State. Let me throw two last things at you before you run with Mike DeCourcy, terrific college basketball writer, commentator. Uh, the Sporting News, the Big Ten Network. Gonzaga fell short again. Of course, I sit here out here in Seattle. You know that. They fell short of reaching the Final Four in the NCAA tournament with another loaded team and number one seed. We joke or I joke that it's become kind of an October-November tradition for all of us out here to say, this might be the best team that Mark Views ever had. We say that every single year. He had Holmgren, who will probably be the number one pick. Does the Few narrative, the Mark Few narrative, ever change from look what he's done to make Spokane, Washington, a McDonald's All-American destination and perennial top seed to hold on a minute, why aren't they winning national championships? Or does he get does he get a pass on that because we're in Spokane and it's Gonzaga? Well, I think he should get a pass on that. I hope it doesn't ever change because what's happened at Gonzaga is ridiculous. I mean, it is like turning, literally turning the pumpkin into the carriage. I mean, it should never have happened. It's inconceivable that it happened. It took a very special coach and community and university to make it happen and, and to take it from 
hey, they're really good. You know, they they can make the Sweet 16. Maybe, you know, if they get a couple of breaks, they can get there to number one seed in 2012, number one seed in 17, number one seed in the last two years. But it's it's absurd what he's done. Uh, I, I, I remember when John Calipari went to UMass. I had covered some of the UMass teams that preceded his arrival, and they were just awful. I don't mean covered them directly, but I covered Duquesne, and they played against them in the same league. So I knew those teams. I saw them at the conference tournament, saw them twice a year uh, on, you know, in, in league play. They were awful. He comes in, and they start out not very good, and within three years, they're in the tournament, and then they're within six or seven years, they're in the Final Four. I thought that was the most amazing thing I would ever see. Well, Gonzaga went and did that for 20 years, not six. That's the difference. And I, I think that what he's done in that way should never be set aside for, oh, he hasn't won a championship. Last topic, Duke. Now, the North Carolina season after Roy will be remembered, as you know, as a close call for a national championship. But you also know, and anybody anybody uh, that watches college basketball during the regular year and doesn't just jump in for the tournament like most of the people will also know, hey, that was not an easy year for Hubert Davis. Halfway through that season, they didn't look like an NCAA team. And, and people, Tar Heel fans were going, wait, ho, ho, is this, is this going to work out? What do you expect from Duke in the first few years post Shashevsky, Mike? Well, the first thing is that they have recruited at an a, a unbelievable level. They've got number one, two, and three in the current class, plus number 20 in the, in the, in the freshman class that will arrive this summer and play next season. And I, have, I, I usually have a pretty good handle on how good those players are. But because of the pandemic, I have not been on the road. There was no road in the summer of 2020. Last year, I did not go out, uh, mostly for different reasons. Uh, but that that kept that's kept me out of that space. So how good Derek Lively is, I can't really tell you. But that's what they have one, two, and three, and they're counting on those guys to be elite. Now there are years when you can sign one, two, and three and still field a team that's not great. I have not heard that about this group. I think there's a feeling that it's a very good group and that they can contend for what's out there. ACC title, uh, ACC tournament, Final Four national championship. But the smell of Coach K is still there. And so they get these guys. I guess the follow-up is how important it strikes me that these first couple of years after a coaching legend like Williams, like Coach K, to keep the momentum going. I mean, the question for John Shire is, will he get one, two, and three in the 25 and 26 class? Uh, he's getting the one, two, and three in the 22 class. I would think that Krzyzewski's touch still had a little bit of part of that. How important is it that Duke stay where Duke is and be a real kind of national factor for 25, 26, and 27 and beyond? Well, I, I, it, it's interesting you mentioned Coach K's touch because he's maintaining his office at Duke. And one of the things he told me when I had a one-on-one -on -one with him in the fall was that you know, he's not, go, not going to coach anybody and he's not promising to coach anybody. But one of the stops on the, on the uh, official visit and the unofficial visit for, coach, for Duke recruits over the next several years is exactly. Coach K's office and he'll come in and he'll say, Hey, you know, I'm never going to coach you. You're John's player. If you come here, 
uh, you're, you're going to be coached by John and, and, and Chris Carowell and the rest of the staff. But when you're here, if you need something and you want to talk to me, I'll be here. If I can help you in the future, after you leave here, I'll, I, I will help. And, and that's something that's always nice to have. That's the plan. That's the way he wanted to set it up. And I hope that happens. I hope that's available for years to come because it means Mike is healthy and available and energized and continuing to participate. I, I think that'd be awesome. Roy didn't do that at North Carolina, I'm assuming. That's not, he, he still is around there and he still helps with fundraising, but that's not the apparatus that they set up. I think he's available to talk to anybody that Hubert might want him to talk to. Uh, but I don't know that he, he's quite he's meant to be quite as hands on as that. Again, this is not an interference in the program. It's a resource that Duke has that very few programs in the history of any sport have had available to them. And, it, and I think to make wise use of it is the smart thing to do. Mike DeCourcy of the Sporting News, Mike DeCourcy of the Big Ten Network, Mike DeCourcy of Twitter owned by Elon Musk now <laughs> at, I think it's at TSN Mike, right? At That's TSN correct, yes. Mike on Twitter, always one of the, the terrific basketball and all around sports voices that we have in the media nationally. Mike, it's great to see you on zoom. It's great to have you on Mitch unfiltered. And thank you for all that you've done for me over the years with both the radio show and the podcast. Thank you, sir. My pleasure, Mitch continue. Good luck. And, uh, and go Huskies, right? Uh, <laughs> my boy Hop needs some guys, and, and he'll get it back. Time for a visit from our mortgage slash football slash tournament expert, J-Flow. Jordan Flowers, the Kirkland branch of Cross Country Mortgage. How are you, J-Flow? I'm doing well, Mitch. It's crazy. Diaper dandies. It's amazing. <laughs> Diaper dandies is right. Between the birth of Barrett and now the tournament, I can't imagine there's a lot of work getting done over there. Any time for refis or phone calls? Oh, there's time for refis. There's time for diaper changes. There's time for basketball. It's amazing. I'm the head coach of my son's baseball team. There's always time. Who does Barrett, who does young, how old is Barrett now? And who does Barrett have in his final four? You know, Barrett is five weeks old and he is a Duke fan. So Duke's winning it all for him. (laughs) Not for me though. Not for me. I have UCLA winning it all. And your daughter filled out a bracket? My daughter filled out a bracket. We called it Blakely's Bracket Busters, and hers is busted already. She picked San Diego State to win it all. She's five. (laughs) All right, lots of volatility in the stock markets. What has that meant for interest rates and your side of the world? Yes, so rates have been continuing to climb here recently um, as the Fed tries to get out in front of inflation, hopefully, and curb the long-term yield curve. So uh, right now we're seeing rates go up mid to upper threes on certain products and low four. So overall, still great time to look at buying a home, especially in this market. And also great time to still be looking at uh, refinances, both cash out, consolidating debt. And there's still people dropping interest rates or getting out of, say, FHA and uh, conventional loans. So still lots of loans to be had out there. Let's say I'm buying a new house, Jordan, for a million bucks. I've got a great credit history. I'm looking at a 30 year fixed. What am I doing? Putting 20% down? 
two hundred grand down, and what's my what's my monthly number through you guys? Yeah, pretty standard, twenty percent down for a jumbo loan. Um, you're looking in the upper threes. We call it three seven five, give or take. Right now, we have five and ten percent down options with no mortgage insurance on jumbo products too. So I would say the number you'd be looking at is somewhere around that three seven five range. Beautiful. And how do I call you in between diaper changes and NCAA tournament games? Absolutely, you can reach me on the cell phone four two five. 890-2957. We love J-Flow. He's a dad for the fourth time, ladies and gentlemen. Cross Country Mortgage, Kirkland Office, great partners of Mitch Unfiltered. Unfiltered. Okay, four interviews in the books, episode 190, Hot Shot Scott. I know. Other stuff. You've been up late wondering what games made it into the World Video Game Hall of Fame? No, because you, but you have brought that up in the past. It's fascinating. So yes. they've, they've announced the induction of groundbreaking games as Miss Pac-Man. Loved it. Heard of it. Yeah. Dance Dance Revolution. You've definitely seen it where you dance on the pads. Yeah, I've never seen, done it, but I've, I've never it. done yeah, it either. Yeah, yeah. The Legend of Zelda. No. And Sid Meier's Civilization. I don't know what, what one that is, but congratulations to Miss Pac-Man, the 1981 sequel to the arcade classic Pac-Man. By the way, Miss Pac-Man sold 125,000 cabinets within five years of its release, making it one of the best five-selling arcade games of all time. I hope Miss Pac-Man has a great mother. So like if Miss Pac- Pac-Man was set up in a room and and the regular Pac-Man was right next to it mm-hmm. and you were going to play one or the other, which yeah. one would you play? It is weird that it feels like I like Miss Pac-Man better and I don't know why. I, I just I don't recall have. the difference between the two games except that she had a you know, a little bow. Yeah, a little bow on her head. Yeah. And they had a baby, too. I don't know if you remember that. Well, it's Mother's Day. The little stork came and dropped the baby. No, I don't know that. that. That kid's 30 now. I didn't even thought about that. <laughs> Holy shit, he's over 30, that kid. <laughs> But I, I, I was really, really good at Miss Pac-Man. So I've, got a, I've got a couple of pieces of Seahawks news that I'd like your reaction to. Yes. Um, anonymous NFL executives are talking. I thought maybe you'd find this interesting. I did. There was an article. I can't remember where it was, but somebody, one of the writers, one of the NFL writers spoke to some people around the league who didn't want to be named okay. about what the Seahawks and Pete Carroll are doing by trading Russell Wilson and going with Drew Locke or not going with Drew Locke yeah. or bringing Baker Mayfield in. One of them said their fascination with Drew Locke feels like a contrarian. Hey, we're going to win running the ball. And our evaluation of Drew Locke was right. They liked Drew Locke coming out of college. Oh, they did. Okay. They did. So now they have him after he sucked in the NFL. Right. <laughs> and they're kind of saying, we knew that he was good. Yeah. They just didn't handle him right in Denver. And the, the executive goes on to say only a Super Bowl winning coach who has tenure and is feeling secure about his job can actually do what the Seahawks are doing. This will be either the greatest I told you so about true law. Yeah. Or it could be if it's just a disaster. He leaves and he says, hey, you know what? I gave it a great run and no one's going to remember the last couple. No one remembers right. the last couple. You just years. think LOB and Super Bowl. Nobody remembers and, yeah. Franco Harris as a Seahawk. No, no one does. Nobody yeah. remembers Jerry Rice as a Seahawk. Well, Patrick Ewing as a Sonic. No, yeah. do you remember the glory years. That's right, exactly. So he's taking a shot here. He's taking a shot with Drew Locke. I would like to ask this person, what percent chance are you given? Because he said it could be the greatest thing ever, the biggest I told you so, or the biggest fall on your face. What, is it 50-50? Is it 20%? At least he's saying it, it could be, and I told you so. Don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. And then the other piece of Seahawks news is your old buddy K.J. Wright wants to come back. I saw and something Pete, about and that. And Pete yeah. Carroll says he wants – I think Pete Carroll wants him back. 
I think it's going to happen. Well, didn't uh, so? Do we know what kind of money that's going to cost? Like, Nothing. We don't know any of that stuff. No, it'll be low. Oh, it'll be low. Okay. Yeah, minimum stuff. Yeah, yeah. I thought at this KJ, stage of his career, he yeah. posted something that said the Seahawks know what it takes. To, I want, I want to come home or something. He went on a he went on a radio show or a podcast somewhere around the country and okay. said, "Listen, I'm not making any secret about it. I've told the Seahawks I love them. I love the organization, and I want to come back." Wow. And Pete Carroll said on maybe one of the radio shows or. In a press conference that we we've spoken, KJ, right, and we're talking about different ways that we can have it. It feels like just reading what each of the two sides is saying that KJ Wright is going to become a member of the 2022 Seahawks after one year in Las Vegas with the Raiders. How did he look with the Raiders? I didn't really watch. I didn't much. watch. Yeah. I, didn't, I can't believe he's much anymore. Well, that's kind of what I'm wondering. He I mean, probably would hate me for that, but. I, I love hanging on to the people I love, like when Marshawn had that touchdown in yes. that game. You know, yes. he, but I mean, was he 34, 35? He's like Russell's age. Yeah, it doesn't really move the needle for me if he's cheap. It's more and he of comes a feel camp, good but, story. All right. Well, KJ Wright is going to sign a contract. Does that help you win? Play feel a, good stories? No, no, they don't. <laughs> it sure doesn't. They, does help it. You make you, they make you feel good when you're 6 and 11. Yeah, when you win the Super Bowl, you feel good, right? Yes. I mean, come on now. Yes, not that kind of feel good. The former race car driver turned broadcaster Martin Brundle. You probably don't know the name, but he's a legend. Well, he was in the middle of his coverage of Sunday's Grand Prix in Miami for Sky Sports, where he was flagging people down for interviews on the Speedway grid like he usually does each year. He spots who he thinks is Patrick Mahomes and shouts out his name only to be ignored. Paulo, Paolo Bancaro was oh. the one that he thought was Patrick Mahomes, and he keeps yelling Patrick. <laughs> and for, for some reason, Paolo's not what? turning around because he's not Patrick Mahomes. After a few seconds, they don't he, even look alike. Uh, one's six ten, and one's what six foot? Like yeah. I don't know how tall is Patrick Mahomes. So anyway, he realizes that he's not Patrick and sort of apologizes, and then Bancaro goes on his way. But he doesn't seem he was sweating the mix up either, dropping a whatever afterwards. But he is British. Martin Brundle, so we'll have to give him a pass for not knowing what Patrick Mahomes looks like. Jesus. No 6'10 quarterbacks in the NFL. For future reference, Martin, okay? I'll just tell you that right now. If you ever think a quarterback is 6'10, it's the wrong guy. Just know that going forward. Did you um, bring up earlier on in the show Magic Johnson's attempt to buy the Denver Broncos? Yeah, I think we did talk about that. I don't know if that was a cutout version of the yeah, show. Yeah, I, I, I don't remember either. I don't Go know what it. segment that was. Yeah. Um, Magic Johnson is trying to buy the... The Denver Broncos. He's he's involved in a group uh, involving Josh Harris. Now you wouldn't know the name. Oh, Josh I know Harris. the name Josh Harris. Philadelphia 76ers. You don't know the name Josh Harris. I do my homework. It's Philadelphia 76ers, and they're riding it's more, on Josh it's Harris. It's more than just the Philadelphia 76ers. It is, okay. I think it's the hockey team as well. Okay. He's a uh, a big, 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 wealthy billionaire. Five point six billion. <laughs> I got it right in front of me. <laughs> and apparently Magic Johnson is joining his group, the Josh Harris-led group, yeah. to buy the Denver Broncos. Uh, I think I saw $4 billion is the going rate. That's what I saw as well, but they're going to have to outbid Antonio Brown and Kanye West. You know about this group coming together trying <laughs> to buy them? Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown, you laugh, and Kanye West yeah. are extremely that, serious about taking over the that's team. That's exactly what the NFL wants, Antonio Brown as an owner. <laughs> Kanye West ain't exactly stable either. They, those two owning well, the team, they're both a little kooky. But yeah, they, Kanye says his Donda or Donda, whatever his team, they're seriously trying to get What's the name of the comedian who's involved with a group that's like very wealthy? And I never realized he was that wealthy. You know him. He's a Byron. He's on late nights. Not, not Byron Allen. Yeah, yeah, Byron Allen. 
Did you know that how fabulously wealthy that guy is? I remember he. Had, did you not know this? It's, it's one of one of Norm's jokes because Norm did his show. It was called Comics Unleashed. Yeah. And Norm said, "I don't know. I was looking around at most of these comics, and they looked pretty leashed to me." <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that always made me laugh. Byron Allen was always this guy, like late at night on oh, yeah. Saturday nights at one o'clock. He'd have a show come on. Right, right. It was Comics Unleashed or whatever. Apparently, one of his he's yeah. got a billion. Ton. The guy's got. The guy has been incredibly successful. Yeah. Never said anything Did funny, you know that? but he's a billionaire. Yeah, I, I knew he was like successful. he has production companies yeah, yeah. that have had incredible shows, yeah. and he's always owned everything that he's done. <laughs> and apparently, he's wildly successful, and he's part of a group to buy the Denver Broncos. Byron Allen, crazy. Yeah, I always thought he was like this unfunny guy right. in the middle of the night. Well, he is like <laughs> striving for a job. <laughs> he is unfunny. I didn't realize he was just like this powerhouse entertainment executive like a conglomerate guy yeah. yeah i know i never realized it yep. anyway he's on a thing and then the other thing i'll mention jerry jones in a traffic accident did you see this i did yeah did you see the video of the accident no i didn't and why is there video of the accident there's video of everything uh, you could probably find video of that eagle dropping the fish if you look hard enough in your front driveway oh i gotta find that <laughs> i'm sure there, there is facebook <laughs> If anybody finds that eagle dropping the fish. Yeah, see? Hopefully there's no uh, pictures of me picking the fish up. Or me being scared like a little baby out there <laughs> covering my head. Like Jerry Jones got into a traffic accident last week. And it's, it was caught on video. And it's scary. Yeah. And it, what's weird about it is if you read the article, I guess it's a TMZ thing. You read an article that says something like Jerry Jones is lucky to not be hurt. Okay, the other guy is luckier not to be hurt. Oh, I haven't seen it. I got to see this now. Yeah, Jerry Jones, and he's not at fault, by the way. Okay. The Dallas Cowboys owner is coming. I don't know how to describe this, but you can you can find the video. It's very clear. The video. Some dude is at like a an intersection, just rolling. I, I don't know why he's taking video of the. I don't know how this video comes out. It's amazing. But apparently there were two lanes going one direction. It's just a one way street with two lanes. Okay. And well, hold on, it's not. It's a one-way street with two lanes, so it's, yeah. it's not two lanes going opposite direction. It's two lanes going one direction. Going one direction. On a one-way. Okay, gotcha. Going one way. And a guy, just before Jerry Jones comes in in his Mercedes, a guy in the right lane that's going, tries to take a left oh, onto a street. Those people. From, <laughs> I know what from, you're talking about. From the right lane. Yeah, right. It's insanely dangerous, yeah. And when he turns his car perpendicular yeah. to the oncoming traffic, and he's about to take the left. Gets Jerry Jones goes right, and where, where does he, and he's going fast. Jerry Jones going fast. Where does he hit him? Right in the driver's door. Yeah, T-bones, right? Yeah. yeah. That's what I guess what they call T-bones. Yeah, sure. And they're saying Jerry Jones is lucky to walk away from the. This guy got hit right <laughs> in the driver's side door. Yeah. Perpendicular like a T. Yeah. I think we take for granted how far cars have come with their safety regulations. How does that guy walk away? Well, there's side airbags now, and the front those airbags are incredible. Yeah, but I mean, he hit he hit him like right where you're sitting. The airbag probably if he had side airbag, it deployed and saved him. Anyway, I know it's amazing. It's crazy how people can walk away stuff. from that. I don't know whether I'm more intrigued by the actual accident. I watched it about 25 times. Yeah, but I, I again, I know I know I've said this before. Why is there video of this? Why is a guy the the video is being shot? By the way. From a guy in his car that's on the street, I don't know if I'm making sense. Yeah. On the street where the oh. guy's turning on to? I have an answer. I, this is the greatest thing ever for YouTube because they catch yeah. everything. Yeah. A lot of people, for whatever reason, yeah. they drive around with a kit. You can buy this camera that just sticks up on your windshield. And yeah. they, every time you drive, they just turn it on. And motorcyclists do it a lot. 
because people are always cutting them off and they want to prove in court. And, and if you get in a wreck, that can really help you to show that somebody cut you. It's crazy how many people are just filming themselves as they drive. Like, it's it's crazy how many are doing it. So, so yeah. This, this guy is on the side street. Oh, he's not driving. The guy who's filming yeah. is sitting, essentially not moving. Okay. He's on the side street where the, the, the car is turning left onto. Oh, gotcha. The okay. side street is two ways. Oh. The side street is two ways. There's yeah. both uh, both sides. And he's sitting there like behind another car waiting, I think, to get onto the main road, which was the road where the accident happened. Does that make any yeah, kind of does. sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the guy is trying to take a left. The guy who got hit by Jerry Jones. Yeah. He's trying to take a left onto a side street yep. from a main road from the right-hand lane. And when he turns, Jerry is in the left-hand lane right. going straight. And bam. And this guy filming is on the side street where they're coming towards him. Yeah. And he's got like clear yeah. video of that. It's like, it's like he works for the network news. Uh, truckers do it. Bike guys have it's it. Like GoPros. I know. People are just always filming themselves I, that's driving. Unbelievable. It's, it's good for YouTube. It's good for videos. I guess. Can I just have you noticed that anytime you watch a documentary, like a 30 for any documentary, for some reason, everyone who's ever lived and had a documentary made about them exists footage of them as a kid on video. Super 8, or there's the Greg Norman one. There's video of him as a kid. Like Super 8, they're on the beach. and is it, I don't have any footage of me. I mean, every single person has footage of them as a kid. And how old is I don't. Greg Norman? 70? I don't know. 65? He's not a, he's not a young guy. Everyone has footage. Just watch. Next time you watch a documentary or any kind of 30 for the... Everyone has footage. I don't. I have nothing. Is it possible that these aren't the real people? <laughs> I've thought about fake, that. It's fake like footage. stock footage of a yeah. family? Because how would you ever know, right? Just find a blonde kid and yeah. a mom on a yeah. beach. Yeah. Like, you never would know. I actually thought hey, about Chuck, that. Hey, Chuck, we need blonde uh, at age eight. <laughs> exactly. <boy>. Male blonde. <laughs> <laughs> on a beach. What do you got in there? <laughs> I've thought about that because it's it's insane how many, how many people must have this footage. Yeah, I don't I, know. Who had a video know. camera in 1962? Can I ask you a question off the topic? Please. What happened to Dave Chappelle? What did I miss? Yeah, so he was doing a show at the Hollywood Bowl, I want to say. Big venue, by the way. Yeah. Well, he's a big star. Yeah. And a guy rushes the stage, jumps up on stage, and gives him a full-on linebacker tackle. And Dave somehow didn't go down. He kind of fought him off. And then the guy... I don't think, uh, no, I think Dave actually did go down, but then the guy got up, took off running really fast, and Dave's got people. And well, th where were his people before the guy got on the stage? Well, that's been the question <laughs> for, um, yeah. the, the guy ended up, they ended up breaking his, his arm. People. They Ooh. broke, they broke the kid's arm, kid, the, the guy who, t and, uh, he looked a little puffy when he came into court. His face looked a little swollen. So I think Dave's people got their hands on him, but yeah, he had a, he had a knife. That was somehow smuggled in a, into a. It was like a gun that had a blade. It was like a fake gun. I don't know. Like Bill Maher said, only in America can you. It's easier to sneak in a gun with a fake knife than have a fake knife. You know what I mean? Like he had like this gun on it. I don't know. But luckily he didn't stab Dave because he had the weapon. He had a blade and he didn't stab him. And I know, crazy. Just and, somebody not dealing with a full deck or somebody who was trying to make a, a point. Or Dave spoke to him. He's told the security, don't take him away until I talk to him. I have to know why he would do that to me. I'm just curious. So he talked to him and the guy said that his grandma was evicted because of gentrification and he wanted to draw attention to it. I don't know if that's the way to do it. Doesn't sound like putting your hands on people yeah, is a good way to do it. You a broken arm and a puffy face. And 30 grand to get out of jail if you have it. So 
Yeah. Crazy, scary thing for Dave. Hmm. And I think John Mulaney has since performed at the Hollywood Bowl and they oh. tightened security a little bit. So okay. went off without an incident. But like the comedy store and all those clubs, like even they're starting to think like, all right, we got. I went to the comedy store. I was four feet away from Bill Burr, a big star. But I could have tackled him in two seconds. There's no one around. I mean, there's security. Why would there, you want to tackle Bill Burr? <laughs> I, mean, if I, I don't know. It looks like the going thing to do. You get famous from it. But I'm just saying, like, yeah, there's no security. You can just go up on stage whenever you want. So the I'm, say it ain't okay. so story of the week. Oh, boy. Say it ain't so story of the week. Okay. Actor and director Fred Savage has been terminated from the Wonder Years reboot. Yeah, it hurts for some reason, doesn't it? Quote, recently we were made aware of allegations of inappropriate conduct by Fred Savage. And as is policy, an investigation was launched. 20th Television said in a statement, upon its completion, the investigation's completion, the decision was made to terminate his employment as an executive producer and director of The Wonder Years. Yeah. Now we see this every day, a story like this every day. Mm Mm-hmm. This one, Fred Savage. Well, he was at the center of another onset investigation a few years back. I don't know that. Yeah, during his Fred new Fred sh- Savage. He had a show called, I can't believe it was called, The Grinder. Yeah. And he's being inappropriate. But uh, when he was, he was accused of treating female crew members like crap for which he was sued. And he denied the claims at the time, even said Fox had cleared his name in his own internal investigation. I did not know this. Yeah. Yeah. The suit was ultimately dismissed, uh, indicating a settlement of some kind. So Fred I know Savage. Fred Savage of all people. Yeah, I know. When you look at him, you just, yeah. Did you like the Wonder Years? Are you a Wonder Years oh, guy? Oh, sure. Great show. Winnie? Yeah. Winnie, yeah. Great. You know, there was a rumor that, remember his buddy Paul? The yeah, s- the glasses guy? Yeah, people thought that. he was- died recently. Yeah. Uh, I think I would have known that. (laughs) The RIP expert questions. That's another another urban legend. Like that kid grew up to be Marilyn Manson. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's not Marilyn Manson. Everybody stop it. Idiots. Uh, I love that that one went around for a while. But yeah, bummer about Fred Savage. Like, I don't know. I feel like he should be involved with this, right? I mean, if Uh, anyone should be, I know. You see the insane card or the insane fight that broke out of the card room in California this week? No. Card room? Yeah, like a, like a poker yeah, card. Yeah. It all appeared like to, card room. to start because a man dropped a yo mama insult on another man. The wild scene reportedly went down at Hustler Casino in L.A. after two guys got into a verbal argument at a poker table inside the venue for unknown reasons. Video from, by the way, another v- perfect video of it, HD, if you'd like to watch it. Video from the casino shows the two screaming at each other and escalate into a full-on fist fight when ah. one of the men fired off a jab about the other man's mother. And you don't do that on Mother's Day weekend. No, you don't. <laughs> In the in the clip, you can see the guy who was so upset over the quip that he spit on his rival's face and then tried to punch him in the head. And then the other guy gets a big table and tries to hit him with it, and he gets tased, and it's a whole thing. People beating the shit out of each other in Carter. I have a couple of RIPs. Do you have RIPs? Sadly, I have four. Maybe my two are probably in yours. Probably, yeah. Okay. Uh, RIP Mickey Gilly. Yeah, I got it. 86-year-old country music legend. Yep. I don't really know who Mickey Gilly is or was. But 86 years old, the urban cowboy, they called him? Well, yes. That's probably what he's best remembered for. Launching, John Travolta movie? Yeah. So he launched Gilly's Club. Oh. It was a dance hall that yeah. rose to prominence after it was heavily featured in the John Travolta okay. vehicle called Urban Cowboy. And it right. went on to become a huge tourist attraction. Room Full of Roses is his biggest hit? Yeah. He, he's got one that I just thought the name was funny. Don't the girls all get prettier at closing time? He wrote that? Yeah, it's one of his songs. <laughs> 86 years old, he will be missed. 
And then the heartbreaking one, and it seems like every single week we have Ugh. one of these. I think mm. I know you probably are. Yep. So 19-year-old Southern University cheerleader, Ariana Miller. Yes, on your list? Not on your list. No. 19-year-old Southern University cheerleader, Ariana Miller. We lost her to suicide. In the last month, we've lost Lauren Bennett, James Madison softball player, to suicide. We've lost Sarah Schultz, Wisconsin runner, to suicide. And we lost Katie Meyer a couple of months ago. Yeah, Stanford. Stanford goaltender to suicide. All of these young women uh, in their 19 and early 20s, athletes, college students, yeah. struggling. Well, and we're not able to get these people help before it's too late. I mean, I hate to pile on here, but Toddlers and Tierra star Kalia, I don't know if I'm saying her name right, Kalia Posey, tragically took her own life at the age of just 16, her family oh, said in a gut-wrenching God. statement. From the state of Washington, by the way. I, uh, I know she passed away. She was in Birch Bay, oh. which is kind of up north. I don't know if she was born there, but she was an accomplished teenager with a bright future ahead of her. Unfortunately, in one impetuous moment, she made the rash decision to end oh. her earthly life. But she was a little kid on that show, Toddlers and Tiaras. I don't know that show. No. And she, she's probably my second favorite gift that I use all the time. It's the cutest, funniest. For instance, when Gonzaga got knocked out of the tournament. Oh, they got knocked out of the tournament? Well, just, spoiler alert. What year is it? I mean, it's a, you know, <laughs> like yeah, that, it would be the perfect one for that. It's this big smile. It's just it's hilarious. And so, yeah, when I read that, I was like, really? 16 uh, her? She says she had a love for uh, aviation, they said, and had plans to continue work in the entertainment industry while pursuing her goal of a commercial pilot's license from Washington State. Yeah. Mm. Another one. Mm. I know, and I, I hate to be like the alarmist, but you think about, you know, the, the pandemic and the lockdown. That was that was Everybody, tough on a lot of... A lot of young people. A lot of young people was yeah. tough on them, and yeah. I, I just wonder if they were seeing any effect of that. Again, don't come at me. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. I Really, just really sad. Very Watch sad, that. yeah. Really sad. All right, cheer me up. With the rest of my RIPs? Okay. Uh, oh, George, you have more RIPs? <laughs> George okay. Perez. He's one of the most famous and prolific comic book artists of our time with Don't work in both DC and Marvel. He was 67 years old. Actor Mike Haggerty. Now, he's most known for his recurring role as building superintendent Mike Trieger on Friends. I don't know how big of a Friends fan you are. Can't think Most of notably in the season four episode, the one with the ballroom dancing I guess where Joey reluctantly agrees to be his dance partner after Rachel and Monica are threatened with eviction. The guy was on Boston Legal, Cheers, Community, mm. pick a show. He mm. was on it. He was a working actor. Mm. He was a series regular on the George Carlin show, Lucky Louie, and recently starred in HBO Somebody Somewhere. He was 67 years old. So rest in peace to Mike. And you'd like me to cheer you up? Yes, please. All right, I got some headlines for clean, you. Clean, all like. clean? Well, they were last time. <laughs> If you want clean headlines, go back to episode 189. If you'd like Mitch mistakes, go back to episode 189P. That's right. All right. A 28-year-old man was arrested for allegedly punching his ex-boyfriend during an argument about uncircumcised penises. One of the men was contemplating circumcision as an adult, but wasn't sure about the cutoff date. Swiss police say an investigation is underway after workers at an espresso warehouse in western Switzerland found over 1,100 pounds of cocaine at this coffee warehouse, oh. a street value of $50 million. Hmm. As they unloaded the coffee beans that, ha that had arrived by train. But I think we could all, sp I speak for everyone when I say the real victim here is the poor drug dealer who received a truckload of coffee beans. Imagine that. Imagine who got killed by that. 
Thoughts and prayers to that, that drug dealer. A woman was left horrified after her landlord told her she'd been reported for indecent exposure because she didn't wear a bra while walking her dogs. The woman's neighbor was quoted as saying, it really isn't anyone's business. If she wants to give those puppies some fresh air, let her. NASA's new project. Mother's Day, hotshot. Mother's Day. Oh, yeah, that's right. Come on. The, the, the neighbor said it. NASA's new project, Beacon and Hold the... Hold on, I gotta go get a fish out of my front yard. <laughs> NASA's... That's better than listening to this. NASA's new project, Beacon in the Galaxy. You heard of this? No. It's hoping the messages they transmit into space will return some contact back. One of the things being sent is a new drawing of a man and a woman. NASA decided that the drawing should be from the front to ensure the pictures aren't mistaken as black holes. And finally, an Ohio school board outside Cincinnati <laughs> voted during an emergency <laughs> meeting on Wednesday to censure a member who said she accidentally posted a link to pornography on her campaign's Facebook website page. Ooh. Yeah, not good. Uh, it's obviously an honest mistake, as any of us could have accidentally typed Silence of the Loins. <laughs> honest mistake. We all could have done it. Silence of the Loins? This is one of my favorite. I don't really? know Really? <laughs> Of all the ones you're going like to come up one with, you came up reason. with Silence of the Loins? Well, I didn't want to get too crude because they can get a little, you know, Crocodile Blondie was another one I thought of. That was a good one. There's there's a lot of them, but I just thought that one's funny. I used to do a game show on uh, on our radio show back in the day, Rock Band, Race Horse, or Adult Film. Yeah. Do you remember good. that? Yeah, I remember. I think I was that was after me. Yeah. yeah. By the way, your buddy Graz once told me he knew a guy <laughs> whose job it was. <laughs> to come up with porn movie titles. So, like, Crocodile Blondie could have been done by Graz's friend. Right. Graz's friend. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> right. I think we ought to end episode 190 before we get ourselves in trouble. <laughs> Otherwise, there won't be an episode 191. Uh, I hope all of you moms out there, yes. as you're listening to this on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, whenever you're listening to this, I hope all your moms out there had a great great Mother's Day. We love you, Mom. You deserve it. We love all of them. You deserve it. Episode 190 is in the books.